Get more confidence, dates, and sex. Build the relationships and lifestyles you really want. DatingSkillsReview.com presents a training program for dating with, with different world-class experts in every single episode. Teaching you the secrets to their skills and success. Dating Skills Podcast, the podcast for men. Angel Donovan here with another episode, episode 45 of Dating Skills Podcast. Today we're going to do something a little bit different and a little bit special and I'm hoping it's going to be like a mini-series. This is going to be like a mini-series within the podcast whenever I have an opportunity to meet some people who can really contribute something on this little area that we're going to be discussing today, I, we're going to invite them on and have a bit of a discussion. You know, I'm hoping this is going to be three or four people each time. Today we have three people and we have an aggregate of 16 years experience on this one subject, which is dating and relationships in Bangkok, Thailand. This is what I'm going to call the exotic dating series because we're going to visit a place and give you lots of practical tips about, you know, everything that's going on in the city, really stuff that you can so you can hit the ground if you go traveling there or if you go to move there or perhaps you know you're, you're interested in it you're like dreaming one day you'd like to live somewhere else and you're wondering what the dating and relationships and everything like that would be like in that place well this is the place you'd come because we're going to give so much information that really isn't available anywhere else um, I'm, I'm planning for this to be something really special so as i said like the guys on the call today we've got 16 years experience uh in this place in bangkok Thailand, which is, you know, obviously it's one of the most special exotic cities around the world. You may not know this, but Bangkok and like Thailand more generally is the number one tourist destination in the world. And I have to say that the four years that I stayed there, I never had so many visitors in all my life. You know, all of these people actually that, you know, I hadn't seen for a long time, they would be passing through Bangkok and, and Thailand and I'd, I'd catch up for them. So it was a great place to, you know, meet a lot of people because there's so many people that actually go, go through that city every year. So it's a very uh, vibrant, exciting, you know, and dynamic city. And that's why, you know, I thought it was a great place to start. Now, this is a monster episode. This is over two hours long you know we, we when we got down to talking about it we realized it was just so much to uh, talk about and in fact we actually missed out on a load of stuff so when you're listening to it see if you can guess which bis, bits we missed out on and I want to give you an opportunity to get any answers to any absolutely any questions you have about Bangkok or Thailand when it comes to you know this area of your lives so the way we're gonna deal with that is just simply you know post your questions or your remarks in the comments uh, for today's episode and one of the the guys on the call uh, today will answer your question so that'll be me Jackson Hunter, so you know Jackson Hunter is one of our editors on Dating Skills Review. He recently, just in the last months, moved to Bangkok, Thailand. He'd, he'd visited uh, many times before and he decided, yeah, it was a place he wanted to live for a while. You know, so he's been there for a while now. Um, so he's going to be on the call. And the other guy is Charlie. You haven't heard of Charlie before. Charlie's one of my good buddies in Bangkok, Thailand. He's been living for, there for nearly 10 or maybe over 10 years now. And so, you know, he's just got some crazy experiences there. And he's also, you know, he's got some experiences about stuff that doesn't even exist there anymore um, because it's been closed down or whatever. So I'm, I'm glad, he, glad he's on board to, to bring that too. So, you know, if you want to get any other questions that we actually missed somehow in this uh, call today, then uh, simply ask them in the comments. And you can do that by going to datingskillsreview.com slash 
DSP45, so number 45, so DSP45, and comment at the bottom of the page, and we'll get those answered for you. Now let's get into this monster two-hour episode. So today we have a Wolfpack from Bangkok. Welcome Wolfpack. And we have Charles and Jackson. You know Jackson uh, as the editor. Hey guys, how are you doing? Great. Hey Andrew, how are you doing? Hi Great. Charlie. <laughs> Great to have you guys hey, on. Jackson. So uh, let, let's get a bit of background on you guys and your experience in Bangkok to get started. Jackson, if you could start out, like everyone probably knows you, know, you already because you've been on the podcast before, but can you give us a little bit of background about you know, how long you've been in Bangkok and how long you've been uh, studying this stuff? Yeah, well, a uh, quick background on my dating skills. I've been studying this now for about 10 years or so. For those who don't know, I met Angel back in 2003 in London. And we started learning a lot of this stuff together around that time, hanging out with other people, going out to a lot of bars and nightclubs. So we've been doing this now for about a decade. Been in Bangkok for now just on two months, so still pretty new to the scene here, but it's a great city and having lots and lots of fun. Great, great. And Charles, how about you? Well, about 10 years ago, I went backpacking in Southeast Asia yeah. and I traveled around for six months mm -hmm. and ended up staying in Bangkok. I got a job here and I started my own business. Mm -hmm. So I've been, I've been in Bangkok about 10 years. Wow. And how about dating stuff? Did, did you, when did you start uh, studying dating? Probably like four or five years ago. I, I studied it not too intensively uh, for maybe a year or two. I'm kind of dropped off the wagon a bit lately. I've, I've had a girlfriend for two years. Cool. Well, so we'll get into, uh, of course, the details. But of course, you were dating in, in Bangkok uh, pretty much, you know, ever since you, you were there, right? Before you even started studying anything. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was out there going to clubs and stuff for quite a few years before I even heard about game or whatever you want to call it. Jack Jackson, uh, what, what's the kind of to give a bit of context about your relationships and sex life? Like, how is it today in Bangkok? What's the longest kind of relationship you've had? Have you had many relationships? You know, how many sexual partners have you had? In Bangkok, I haven't really had any relationships. I've only only been here for a couple of months, so mm -hmm. I've been out on a number of dates here. I hooked up with a few girls, but obviously in in two months, nothing too serious yet. But you know, it's so early here, so we'll see what happens. But uh, outside of Bangkok, I've had uh, a handful of serious relationships, probably because I've spent a bit of time on the road and traveling and, and doing different things. I've probably had more like short relationships with girls, mm. a few one-night stands and with a few relationships around about a year or so. So I'd say I've probably had about four or five more serious girlfriends, number of sexual partners. Tough to say for sure, I'd say be around about the 100 number or so, something like that. And Charles, how about you? Back when I was living in Canada, I had one serious girlfriend for about a year, year and a half. And I guess sexual partners in Canada was, it was around 10. Mm -hmm. And since I've been in Thailand, or I guess like since I've been traveling in Asia, mm -hmm. uh, including my time backpacking and including the time where I settled in Bangkok, I had maybe two or three like serious relationships about around a year or two each mm -hmm. um actually less less than that but my current one is is about a year and a half mm -hmm. and sexual partners in thailand and uh in the surrounding countries is around 170 
Great, great, very clear stuff. So we've got two uh, pretty experienced people here. You know, obviously, Charles has been in Thailand way longer than myself or, or Jackson. I was there for about three, four years. I actually can't, can't really remember. A fair amount of that time, I had girlfriends. I was at the stage in a lot more girlfriends or I had multiple relationships. So sometimes I was dating a few women at the same time. And then I had some partying times uh, with Charles, you know, going out quite a bit as well. A few phases like that. Uh, obviously seeing more girls. And uh, I left Thailand about a year ago, I think. That was that. So guys, let's dive straight into the club and bar scene and kind of give an overview of like, you know, the different places you can go and what the levels you can meet and and all of that jazz so charles why don't we start with you like which are some of the like main areas you think are worthwhile going to in in bangkok any particular clubs and places like that that you've you've enjoyed yeah sure man well first of all the the nightlife scene here in bangkok is it's exceptional it's just really awesome Mm -hmm. Uh, we have we have a lot of friends who come here just to party. So if if that's your thing, then um, you can have a great time in Bangkok. And I kind of see it as there's two different types of clubs and like bars in Bangkok. There's there's Thai style and there's Western style. <laughs> so if you like Thai style, RCA, that's Royal City Avenue. There's Ratchada, and there's Tonglon Ekamai. Yeah, and Western style clubs they're around Sukhumvit around. So 11, mm-hmm. our old stomping grounds, you and me, Angel. Yeah, yeah, we spent a lot of time there. Yeah, there's also um, actually one of my favorite places is Khao San Road, which is mm-hmm. kind of, uh, it's like where the backpackers go. It's, it's where I started off when I first came to Thailand. I, I, stayed, I stayed in a hotel there and I met a lot of people and I had a lot of fun on that road. So yeah. it's, like, it's like a lot of, there's a few nightclubs, but it's just everybody's out on the street walking around shopping and drinking and eating and yeah it's a good party for for the younger crowd too yeah that, that's 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 a pretty good overview so you know you and me spent a lot of time in soy 11 which is the the main hangout at first later on i spent more a bit more time in tonglor ekamai for a, a few reasons jackson jackson where have you been hanging out man well i've actually just moved into a new apartment so i'm quite close to soy 11 yep I guess the way to explain it for guys who haven't been to Bangkok before is a lot of the, the people who come to Bangkok long-term, a lot of the expats who, who move over here, mm-hmm. they tend to live around Sukhumvit area. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, the backpackers that come here, they come here for just a week or so passing through while they're backpacking around, yep. tend to hang around Kosan Road. There's a lot of cheap hostels around there, cheap bars. If you're into that sort of backpacker scene, then Kosan Road is an awesome place to go. Sukhumvit is a bit more upmarket compared to that. Well, a lot more upmarket compared to that. You can get some uh, nice clubs around here. So I've been out in Soy 11 quite a bit. For people who don't know, like when we say Soy 11, that just means Street 11, that the streets are named by the numbers. Right. So Soy 11 is basically like the party party street around here. Right. You'll find a lot of Western people, a lot of upmarket clubs, there's also some laid-back bars. If you go out Friday, Saturday, you'll see the places pumping. There's people sitting out on the street. They have all these, I guess the best way to describe them is mobile bars. They're basically vans that have been decked out and turned into bars. So they'll just park up along the side of the road mm. and start serving drinks out of them. People will sit down at the chairs, very chilled out, laid-back. You get places like Cheap Charlie's. Yep. So it's basically people just sitting down at seats and tables outside, having drinks, 
chilled out. People seem they're like shorts and t-shirts. It's pretty laid back. The other side of that is if you go to some of the, the clubs in the area, they're a bit more upmarket. You need to, to dress nicely to get into them. They might have cover charges mm. working up close to $20, $20 American or Australian to get right. Right. You often get free drinks for that as well. Like they might say cover charge might be 500 baht, which is 15 to $20. Before that, you might get a couple of couple of free drinks when you when you go in, so it's not too bad. Right, that, that, that's 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 a good overview. Uh, let's like I like I like the point that, like you talked about like Sukhumvit is the longest kind of largest yeah. road in in Bangkok, and that's where a lot of the it, it, expat life, the tourist life, some some of the tourist life is a lot of the department stores, and it's a very long road with yeah. different soys. So you know, soy eleven. And then it goes up soy 13, it goes all the way up to the 100 somewhere. And soy 11 is, is pretty much in the center. It's not too far, it's a couple of stops from the center. And that's where, you know, there's a concentrate stuff. Um, so let's, let's, let's start talking about it. We've all spent a lot of time in soy 11 and it's kind of one of the highlights for expats and tourists. You know, there's a lot of tourist activity that turning up there as well. So which is the best club? You know, what are the best clubs along that road? Like fitness thinking about kind of like meeting girls, uh, like for instance, Cheap Charlie's for me is not a place you go to meet any girls or anything. In fact, I, I personally spent very little time there. It's okay to go to go and chill with your buddies. Yeah, it might be like a place you go have a couple of drinks at the start of the night before you move on to like a better bar or a club somewhere wanting to meet some girls. For, for me at the moment, I think the best club on the area is probably Levels. Right. From what I've seen, uh, Levels Levels is it, it's a club that's in this like really expensive upmarket hotel. So if you go there, especially on the weekend, you get a lot of people there. So it's probably like a 50-50 mix of Western people and Thai people. Mm. So you get quite a lot of attractive girls in there. It's a bit more upmarket in that the drinks are maybe a little bit more pricey than what you're going to pay in the average bar. But compared to some of the other bars and clubs in the area, I think it's probably worth it. Q Bar is another more well-known club. I've been there a few times in the last few weeks. Personally, I haven't been that impressed with it. I found that it's quite expensive and there's not that many girls inside, so mm. I'm tending to stay away from that one now. I found Levels to be better. There's actually a place behind Levels. It's called WXYZ Bar. Mm. I was in on Friday night. They're doing 500 baht entry and all you can drink in that time from 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock. So I was in there with a friend. We met quite a few girls in there very easily. There wasn't a lot of guys in there that was low competition, so... While everyone is down in levels, spending a lot of money on drinks, we were up in this bar behind it. Maybe people don't know about it, but mm. drinking basically for free once we paid to go on in. Met some girls, going down to levels afterwards, met some other girls in there, and ended up going to a few other places after that. But I'd say for, for most guys who are maybe wanting to start off with a, a good club in Soy 11, wanting to meet girls, probably levels is the place to go. So from, from my experience, uh, basically, basically Q Bar isn't a place I would go very often because there's a lot of uh, lady boys in there and there's a, there's a fair amount of hookers, especially downstairs. They have like two parts, upstairs and downstairs. Some people will go to chill out upstairs. Uh, as Jackson says, it's kind of, kind of expensive and there's not normally a lot of people in there. And that, you know, just in my experience, it tends to be kind of focused on old, older guys looking for to, to pay hookers or mostly that scene. It may have changed in the year I've left, um, but that's primarily what it was when I was there. The other thing to say is like Levels has become pretty popular over just the last year. It was, it was only set up about a year ago, but it was actually set up by one of the main promoters that we know. And, you know, he's heavily promoted that. He's very well connected. So that's why that's done, you know, pretty well. 
Before people go out, they tend to go to where this is this bar, which is opposite levels, which levels is in W, w Hotel, by the way. And Oscars is like a, a pub bar. You can meet girls there. There's some nice girls there sometimes. And it's, it tends to be the place people go before they go somewhere else in Soil 11 like levels or somewhere else. So you kind of see the same crowd. And like Charlie, we, we can talk a little bit about the past, right? Because there's been a, like a big change in Soil 11 just recently which is where do we used to? Yeah, it was uh, Bed Supper Club was on Soy 11 there. That was our, our main place that we went all the time. But yeah, it's recently shut down and it, it sounds like it's kind of been replaced by levels, which I haven't been to, by the way, because I haven't gone out much since I got my girlfriend like a year and a half ago. But yeah, that, that was a great place. Had And did we talk about Nest yet? I cut out for a minute there, so I, I didn't hear if we talked about Nest. No, we haven't covered Nest yet. Is it still there? <laughs> Nest, yeah. Nest is still there. I'm not sure. I, I, was, in, I was in Nest on, on Friday night, I think it was, and it was, it was quite good because we were there with uh, a group of people. I would say from the set out of it, like it's maybe not the best place to go to go and approach women, and the most people were sort of, sitting down at the table in a group and it wasn't too busy in there. Mm. But if you're already with some women, it would be a great place to go. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. When, when I went there and uh, Angel, when we went there, most of the time it was one of the club crawl nights. So it was really packed and there was a lot of mingling um, when it was super busy, but maybe it's not so super busy these days. Do you guys know if the club crawl is still going on? I've got no idea about that. Okay, that so the club crawl was pretty much, I think, the main event of the month. It was a month, you know, once a month thing in Soy 11. If it's still going on, you'll easily be able to find out about it, just like kind of Google it online. And that would be basically one night where you pay one fee and you go to uh, Bed Supper Club at the time, but now it would be Levels and uh, Nest and Q Bar. And it was the only night in my mind that, you know, Q Bar was worth going to be packed and Nest would be packed. And as the guys have said, the, I, the problem with Nest is a laid back bar. I would go there mostly for dating and, uh, you know, to meet girls a second time after, after I've met them somewhere else. And it's a great place to chill out like that and, or go with your friends and chill out. But unless it was a specific event, they have events there and they have this cr club crawl, then it's not really a place you go to meet girls. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, yeah, uh, one thing I'll, I will say about um, Cuba, I was just saying it wasn't the best place to go, but uh, we found that on Wednesday nights, they're having model nights in there. I don't know if it was the same when you guys were, were going out there, but we went there on a Wednesday a couple of weeks ago, and basically there's a lot of models who live in Bangkok, especially girls from Russia and Eastern European countries. So they'll be hooked up with model cards from their agency, and a lot of the nightclubs will give them free entry, free drinks, just to get them in the door and use that as a sort of promotional tool to get guys coming in and spending money on overpriced drinks. So when we were there a couple of weeks ago, there were quite a few attractive girls in there simply for the free drinks. We were talking to a couple of girls from Russia, Denmark, mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, you know, we've had 15 free drinks in here tonight, and they'll go there just for that. But uh, that might be worth checking out if you're looking for somewhere to go midweek. A great point um, about about the models. Like, there's a lot of Eastern European models now in, in Bangkok. Basically, think, like, a lots of tall white girls, right? Because they want... Yeah, they want they want they want the comparison with the with the Thai girls with the you know the darker skin and, and so on. So you know there's a lot of those type of models that have been imported 
and a lot of them tend to be Eastern European, but there can be other places. This, I've met, you know, there's Brazilian ones and others, but it's mostly Eastern European. There's another bar where they have model nights quite often, and it had a Japanese sushi bar. It wasn't in Soy 11. Do you remember oh, that place? Uh, Koi, Koi, Koi restaurant. Right. So that On, place. Uh, Koi is, 20. Yeah, right. That's Second Vit 20, right? Or somewhere like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Second Vit 20. That's a good place to meet uh, those type, types of girls. I can't remember. I think it was Tuesdays and Thursdays at the time, but you'd have to check which nights it was. Yeah, and that, that was a good Wednesday at the moment. So I was actually in there a couple of weeks ago with uh, a couple of guys, and we joined a group of, of models at the table because they, they get free food, free drinks, and then they normally head on to Q-Bar afterwards. So mm. Wednesday night seems to be model night. So, yeah, good place to go. There's quite, uh, quite a few attractive girls in there. So you know, going back to Bed Supper Club, Bed Supper Club was the icon club for maybe 10 years in Bangkok. And it, it, it was like every, all the tourists would end up there. Everyone in Bangkok would end up there. Closed on 31st August 2013, just this year. What, what happened was that they had to move somewhere, I think. So I think they're going to open somewhere else. And when they do that, it's, it's, uh, it's probably going to be a central point again because, you know, they, they were doing very well before. They were very successful at, at what they did. The other point to note is that they've actually got bed supper clubs around the world now. Singapore, where else I've seen them? Like, anyway, the, you know, so it's kind of a company and they've on the success that they had in Bangkok. So what else is there to say about Soy 11? I think that's, that's, that's kind of the roundup. A, you know, apart from oh, one, one last thing is like there may be more of an emphasis on paying now, but everyone I knew and when I was there, we didn't really pay to get into the clubs. Charlie, like that was kind of the situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you know somebody or you got like a, a card that you got from your friends, you could get in for free. So they have these VIP cards. Some of the hotels have them or you can, you know, meet promoters. You know, if you're going to a place regularly, you can get a card from there. That was Bed Supper Club. I imagine levels is the same. Uh, so if you're there for a while, you definitely want to try and get hooked up because uh, if you're going there every night like we were, it would get very expensive, you know, paying the entrance fees every night, which is, how much is it normally? I don't know. Um, I think uh, it was like well, levels, you can, levels you can Levels you can get into for free. There's no cover charge to get in there. Okay. If you go to Cuba, the cover charge basically depends on who they've got as the DJ that night. So if you go there with a well-known DJ, I think we had we had to pay 700 baht to get in, which is quite expensive for Bangkok. Um, a lot of clubs, you'd be looking at more paying sort of like two, 300 baht cover charge and maybe a free drink with that. Right. So there's 35 baht to the dollar, roughly. And, you know, yeah. so we're, we're talking... Ten dollars upwards. Uh, so if you're going out every night, it can be it can start adding up. Yeah, yeah. So um, the, another uh, place that we might want to mention is well, can we can we go away from Soy Eleven yeah, right now? Yeah, it's uh, what's it, what's it called? That place. There's another area that has a lot of nightclubs. Sea Loam Soy Four is right, it? Right. And that's you know that's near the Sky Train. There's a lot of gay clubs there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one like really good sort of Western style house music club. Right. What was that called, Angel? Ah, damn. You know, as you said, I was hoping you would know. I don't remember. It's Free Floors. Is it in Soy 4, though? I'm not sure if it's in Soy 4 or Soy 6. I think it's Soy 4. Uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's Soy 6. Yeah, like the other clubs on that street are all gay clubs. But this is like the, the one club you might want to go to there if, if you're not gay. And you're interested in meeting girls. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the name will come to me like w- as soon as we stop talking about it. Guys, we'll put it in the show notes on, on the usual, in the usual place. So, you know, don't worry. If we can't think of the name, we'll put it in the show notes for you. But that club, it's like a 50-50% Western 
Thai mix. Yeah. It, there's dance floors there, which is a good thing. When when you're in Bangkok, a lot of clubs don't have dance floors. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Thai style clubs don't have dance floors, and I try to avoid clubs like that. But then when you go to clubs that do have dance floors that are Western clubs, they tend to be like full of hookers. Like you always have the problem that there's going to be a lot of hookers there and you don't know which girls are normal girls and which girls aren't hookers. But but this club we're talking about in Siloam is, yeah, I, I don't think there's any hookers there. I haven't met any hookers in that bar. I've met a few, <laughs> I've, I've met a few girls from the gray area, which well, we can discuss a bit later. I want to I want to like touch on, you know, how you know if a girl's a hooker or not in a bar because it's it's a kind of dimension that other, you know, men from the west aren't used to. It's like when you go into a club or a bar, sometimes the girls are hookers, sometimes they're ladyboys and you don't know, right? It's something that you, you kind of should be worried about, especially you, sh- you should you should like learn to know what you're dealing with basically. So I think we can cover that in a in a little bit, but just to say that most bars have some element of that, but they have less and more. In Soy 11, there's a fair amount of hooker type activity. So in levels, I see the pictures on Facebook now and I, I know what a hooker looks like. Um, so there's a lot of hookers yeah, in, in levels. There's definitely a few hookers in there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, uh, maybe 50, 60%. Um, you know, that, that's, that's the kind of ratios uh, you can be dealing with with those that saw 11, for example, in the bar Charlie was just talking about. I think it's, it's, it's really, Tapas. really low. Tapas, that's the name of the bar. Thank you, Google. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Western clubs we're talking about on Soy 11, Sukhumvit Soy 11. What, what do you guys think? Do you think maybe like half half the girls there might be working? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe half the Thai girls. So if, if you go to a club that's 50-50 Western and Thai, so maybe half the Thai girls are working. So you're looking at maybe 20-25% of the girls in the club might be hookers. Right. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the thing to say is that, you know, if you're looking for foreign girls... You're going to probably find most of those in Soy 11, Khao San, and or that uh, Charlie just mentioned in Silong. Right, right. And, um, well, sh- should we talk about the difference between Thai clubs and Western clubs? Because that might be important for somebody who's coming here for, for the first time. You might need to know the difference. Um, like Thai style clubs, they tend to, like I said before, they don't have dance floors. Mm-hmm. And usually you walk in there and one of the waiters or waitresses, they grab you and they put you at a table and you stand at this table with your friends amongst like hundreds of other tables. It's just like replace the dance floor with a bunch of tables and you stand around these tables, you order a bottle of whiskey and a bucket of ice and glasses and you you share the drinks with your friends. And you look around and everybody's kind of hanging around their table with their backs turned to the rest of the club. I Personally, I, f- I find it really hard to mingle and, and meet people there that you didn't come with. The music's really loud and you, you can't really hear anybody if you, right. you try to talk to people. So mm-hmm. I, I try to stay away from those clubs. You know, some guys, some Western guys, they tell me that they that they pick up girls there and I have no idea how the fuck they do it, but <laughs> they must be magic. Okay. Um, so I would, I would recommend like avoid those places and that would be RCA, Rachada. Yeah. Those two places. Yeah. So I, I've, I've got some little anecdotes from, from that stuff in a minute, but Jackson, have you, have you been to those, any of those clubs like Tonglor, Ekamai, RCA, Rachada, any of those areas, which are Thai clubs basically? I have, I haven't really been out a lot, in those places, 
from what people have told me, they're not the best places to go, same as what Charlie is saying. But I think with, with RCA in particular, like it's a, a very young crowd, you guys probably would know more about that than I would, but it's maybe a lot of college and university age kids around there going out for a night. Like There's not a lot of Western people there, there's not really a lot of foreign people who are there hooking up with the, the Thai girls, it's more like a Thai club and they sort of stick to themselves in that. Yeah, there are different people there. There's not more. So I, I think I've spent more time in the Thai area than Thai areas than you guys, because uh, I had a I had a few Thai girlfriends, which were pretty active partiers, and I used to go and party a lot with them. So the RCA scene is a little bit younger, like Jackson mentioned. So you have one main hip hop club there called Route 66, where you see more foreigners. They changed pretty quickly over the last few years. Before there weren't any, but now you see more foreigners there. There's another club, Slim, where you see some foreigners. As Charlie was saying, it's it's inside the club. It's pretty hard to uh, meet anyone. And you, if you want to get a table in any of the Thai clubs, you, you have to buy some whiskey. So you'll go in and you buy the whiskey and then you get your table. Otherwise, in a way, you shouldn't really be in the club. It's kind of it's kind of like that the system they have. After, after we've covered the club scene, and I'll talk a little bit about strategies uh, and when ways you can meet people in these. But I've met quite a few girls in these types of clubs, and in fact, that's what I was focused on uh, in the last my last two years in in Bangkok. More so, RCA is kind of the the younger crowd, and also I just want to. Uh, there is a, like, a little, little bit of a safety issue in some of these Thai clubs, which I, I want to make sure not to forget that. There's uh, Tonglo and Ekamai, and this is really my favorite area because it's where you find the highest quality Thai girls, you know. They have something called High So, High Society in Thailand, which basically means very wealthy Thais. They have a, very, they have a large segment of very wealthy people in Bangkok. And, you know, they're kind of rich kids there, which you would see in L.A. or somewhere else because there's that concentration of wealth there. So in this area is called Tonglor Ekamai, where most of them hang out. And there's a whole bunch of clubs there. My favorite used to be Demo. That had a slightly uh, more Western feel to it. Not that there was a lot of Westerners there, but the music was more Western. And so you got more internationally Western or just more openly minded ties. And they tended to speak more English as well. So there's a place called Escobar. There's another one called Muse. And there's Nanglen. Nanglen is uh, quite young. All the others are kind of up to 40, roughly. Escobar was one of the most in places. And Muse, when I left, and I'm sure they're still going strong. All of them have the same system that Charlie mentioned. For me, Demo was the most Western one. And that kind of tends to be a lot of girls there who have, are from high society. You know, they're well-educated. A lot of them have studied abroad. A lot of them speak English. They have money, you know, if, if you're interested in that kind of thing. There's another Thai area which Charlie spoke about, which is Ratchadar, right? Ratchadar, I've only been to twice. Charlie, how many times have you been there? Oh, uh, yeah, about two or three times. It's like RCA. Um, which is a similar area we're talking about, but it's, I think like the, the kids there are younger and there's a lot of actually underage um, kids going there. That fits with my experience too. So I remember one, one girl I met for, and she invited me there. And so that's, that's one of the times I ended up there and, and I found out how old she was. The one thing I would say that's interesting about that place is a club called Hollywood, which we ended up one night because one of my friends visited and he, he took me to a go-go bar, which we'll talk about in a minute. And uh, he was talking to some of the girls and they said they go to Hollywood after they finish. So he was like, hey, why don't we go there and see what that's like, you know, just to kind of explore Bangkok. And we ended up in this cl- club called Hollywood. It was a pretty crazy place. Uh, you can imagine, like, it, 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 it's kind of where all of the dark side of Bangkok goes after they finish working. Uh, there were, like, guys who looked like 
heavy pimps with tons of chains and tattoos all over their bodies with circles of girls around them. And we were the only foreigners there and we kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, but it was an interesting, just kind of like, wow, this is a crazy side of Bangkok we're looking at right now. So that's the only thing I really saw about Ratchet that the other clubs were unremarkable. Have you guys been to other afters clubs, a bit similar to that? What's that, late night clubs? Yeah, like after, say, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning, um, three o'clock in the morning. There's, there's one on uh, Soy 11 called Bash that I've been to a couple of times. It's one of these clubs, I think it, it opens at midnight and goes till, I think they don't really have a set closing time, it's just whenever they feel like closing. So uh, I've been in there. The thing with a lot of late night clubs is you're going to find there's a lot of hookers in them because they're guys who are going to places who haven't hooked up with a girl yet for the night. So girls know that if they go there, they're going to find a lot of drunk guys. They're looking to hook up with a girl. So there's a lot of prostitutes in these places. Uh, I was in Bash a couple of weeks ago, started talking to what I thought was just a normal party girl from the way she was dancing and the way she was dressed, but started talking to her. She showed me uh, a video on her phone of herself sticking various vegetables up her anus <laughs> and then that's when I figured that she might be a prostitute. <laughs> and I uh, left, left the situation there, but you get some uh, crazy girls in some of these late night places, I think. Right. I think an, a, nice, a nice rule to go by is like, because you just brought that up, the later you go out, the higher the ratio of hookers and prostitutes, no matter where you go. Yeah. So yeah. anything after two or three o'clock in the morning starts getting really like 18, 80%, 90% and upwards. Yeah. Even on Tosan Road, which is generally a good place to go, like you don't find that many hookers in the bar because they're, they're normally like they're bars where you sit down at a table. So there's not really a lot of hookers in these places. But if you go to them late at night, like there's a few Irish bars on the corner. And if you go in there late at night, like two o'clock, it's probably 90% hookers from, from what I've seen. That place is worth so, mentioning. It's called Gulliver's. Is that, is yeah, that Gulliver's. the one you're talking about? Is that the one yeah. in the corner? Yeah, yeah that's Gulliver's. Yeah. yeah. So I think anywhere you go late at night, you're just going to find a whole heap of hookers, whether it's just on the street, in any bar. It's, it's going to be something you're going to have to deal with. So just get used to that idea as well. Right. Well, and it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing, depending, depending on your style. Like a lot of the girls with questionable morality, you can call them hookers, you can call them opportunists um they can just be sleazy girls some guys will have a lot of fun with them and and i did for my first few years i i went to the after hours clubs all the time yeah like it's it's a shit show everybody's totally drunk there's tourists like sleeping in the corner and like <laughs> girls dancing on the tables and like it's fun man it's it's fun if you're into shit shows and you can meet lots of girls there, and sometimes they they want money, sometimes they don't. If you, if you do want to find a place like that, they're super easy to find. Just any time you leave um, a normal club, a normal Western club that mm. we were talking about before, there's going to be taxis outside. They're going to be grabbing you and trying to get you to go to an after-hours club because they get commissions. If, if they drop you off there, they get paid like 300 baht, so that's... That's really good for them. Actually, sometimes it's hard to get a taxi after you go to a, a normal club. It's hard to get a taxi that will go and drop you off at home because mm. <laughs> they'll just try to push their yeah. the after-hours clubs on you. And and you might want to go to an after-hours club too. You might say, like, take me to Scratch Dog. And the next thing you know, you're at 
you're at Spicy, which is another after hours because they get a bigger commission when they go there. Mm. And you're like, what the fuck, man? Um, didn't <laughs> tell you to go here. And then you just get out of the cab and you storm off and then like, <laughs> and then you make a big scene and then he starts yelling at you and you get a little scared because all the other taxi drivers might, you know, get pissed off. Assume that you're being the, the jerky foreigner. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the after hours clubs are almost always sleazy, but they can they can be fun if you like shit shows. Right, right. So like the biggest one and it's the one that the taxi drivers push the hardest. And that's probably close to 95 percent hooker, hookers in there or, or as you say, questionable because it's kind of a and in the West, we think as it's, it's a binomial. It's like one or zero. It's like you're a hooker, you're not a hooker. In, in Thailand and in Asia in general, there's a more of a sliding ratio. There's, you know, there's, there's pure prostitution uh, and, then, and then there's like people in the gray area, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's a bit more murky like that. So one, one bar you mentioned there was uh, Gulliver's. That's, that's kind of like what I call a beer bar. And there's quite a few of those. And they, they tend to have a lot of hookers working in them. There's one in a Soy 4 in Sycamvit. Is it, is it Soy 4, Charlie? Yeah, probably. That's where the go-go bars are, and then there's a few beer bars. Yeah. Okay. Soy, soy four, soy nana. That is hooker central. Right, right. Okay, that's that's go-go bars. So that's not it. It's it's uh it's actually on the other side. So it was probably like soy three or soy soy five. But anyway. Oh yeah. So like since we're talking about that anyway, well, quick tip for the taxis is just like you know, as Charlie was saying, you got to be careful monitor where you're going when when you get in the taxi and just keep telling him where you're going and because he misses is just like you know <laughs> he may lie to your face that he'll be like hey you know you're in bed supper club when in fact you're in spicy so uh if you don't know what the place looks like you might end up in the wrong place too so that's something to be pretty careful of so anyway let's you know quickly we, we've spoken about, about a, a few of the after hours there um, which tend to, you can go on partying till like 12 o'clock the next day. Um, I think Spicy closes at 6 or 7 and some of the others. Yeah, but across the street there's from Spicy, uh, like when Spicy closes around 6, one Swing next. Club opens. Right. Yeah, and that one opens and, and you can stay there till like noon and it's a complete shit show in there. It's crazy. Jackson's been in there. The first time he came and you remember that, Jackson? Yeah, was that uh, spicy? That well, we that went into chicken? spicy and we ended up in—is it called swing? Um, yeah. Across yeah. across the road, you go up in the lift, and that was a real crazy shit to, to Bangkok with. Yeah, so so, so <laughs> that was a place that was—I think I think we were very drunk when we went there, and the place <laughs> was just full of hookers. I think. Yeah. I was pretty much just disgusted when I walked in there for the first time at what the place was like. It was very sleazy. But it's something that was worth seeing. So if you if you go to Bangkok and you're looking to have a big night and you want to get a, di- a different take on uh, some of the sleazier nightlife of Bangkok, then it's worth going and checking out these places. And of course, if if you want to party a long time, you know you're going to end up there. there ten- you tend to get a lot of visitors in Bangkok. So and you know I guess it's always always good to show them a long party night all the way through to dawn. You know it's one of the yeah. things you got to do. <laughs> You're going to give a roundup of the clubs in the, the after hours clubs. Okay. So yeah, quick roundup of the after hours clubs. There's spicy and swing, and those are super, super sleazy, but they're fun and they're pretty big too. Climax. Climax is in Soy 11. 
So if you're at those Western clubs that we were talking about before on Soy 11, you can just pop on down there to Climax when they close. And that's in the basement of the Ambassador Hotel. There's going to be a lot of hookers there too. It's probably like 80 or 90% working girls in that club. There's also Scratch Dog, which is kind of more like a Thai style club with a lot less hookers than, than all the other after hours clubs. Of all the after hours clubs I can think of right now, I'd, I'd say Scratch Dog has the least number of hookers and um, club with a lot less hookers, probably the least number of Westerners too. Um, and they play like kind of house and electro music there. So in any of these clubs, you can just tell the taxi driver, just tell them the name. They know where it is usually. Did I miss any? There's one you missed, which is actually really hard to find. And I didn't find it until like my third year when I started focusing on Tonglor. And the only way I found out was like some, some girls from Demo took me there one time. And it's, they try to seem to try to keep it in mind. And I didn't find it until like my third year. Is it Whip? Yeah, that's the one, Whip. That, that place is interesting because it's, you go into this like shopping mall, underground shopping mall, and you go up through this car park and you think you're, you're like, you're like, what am I doing here? And you go up for these stairs and all of a sudden there's this club in the middle of this uh, shopping mall, which is an after hours place. And it's just for the, so it's a high, so where they go to party. at Thai style. Yeah. 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 There's also bossy. Is, is that what it's called? They change names and they, and they change locations so, so often. Like there used to be one called boss and then there's bossy and then there's like spice and spicy. Yeah, it doesn't really matter which club they are. You can just hop in a taxi and you'll end up you'll end up at an after hours club. Yeah. Well, I think we've done the tour of the nightlife. Is there anything you after this? I want to get into kind of like dating places, not not kind of where you meet girls. But, you know, we'll leave that till afterwards. How about is it that's kind of like the overview of the nightlife kind of bar date hookup scene or whatever? Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's good. Unless you want to talk about this new place they've opened up. Have you heard of uh, Coup d'Etat? Oh, Coup d'Etat. If you go like super, super high end, it right. just opened up a couple of weeks ago. That's something it's, to mention uh, because uh, that, that's that's the same one from Singapore. There's a, there's a Coup d'Etat in there. Uh, yeah, in, in there's the, one in Singapore and there's one in, uh, I think it's Bali. It's in Indonesia somewhere. Mm. They're, they're charging it's a, million, a million baht membership uh, free to join. That's ridiculous. Wow. So you can't get in? Is it a private club? They, they had the grand opening like two weeks ago mm. when my friends was going to go there and they no one could get in. It was just all media and mm. invite only. Mm. And I opened it up last Saturday for the public. So oh. you can get in. I think the cover charge is about a thousand baht to get in if you're not a member. Yeah. And the drinks are like super expensive. Right. But, you know, it might, it might be worth it. You know, I, w I went to that. Um, that's a really nice place. I went there with my girlfriend. It's a really nice place to hang out, you know, if you, if you yeah. like high-end clubs like that. You know, so you're sure yeah. to meet, you know, high-quality people because you got that, you know, that, that spend bracket to stop, stop hookers and stuff getting in, I guess. Cause it's, it's also, I mean, that's kind of something to be said. Like, in the clubs where you have to pay more to get in, you see less, less hooker activity. And that makes me think of, uh, there's NARS and... What do you guys, what, Charlie, I know you've been to those. What do you got to say about that? Uh, what was the other one? Nars and the other one? Glow. Glow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, th those are good places, man. Um, Glow, really small house music, kind of a tight crowd. Like the people who go there kind of know each other and it's real friendly. Western people are there and Thai people are there. Um, and there's a dance floor, so it's nice. And, and down the road from that is Nars, Narcissus. Yeah, and people say yeah. Nars for short. For short, 
And there's also another club that's in that same building. Can't remember the name, but it doesn't matter. It's like, what, they have like three different rooms? It's huge. Yeah, it's pretty big. One of them is, it's like, uh, I don't, I can't even remember. Like, it's always, it's really fucking loud hip hop. Like, you can feel your ears getting damaged right. as you're in there. It's the loudest place in the city. And then they have like trance music in a different room downstairs. And then there's another room that nobody goes in, um, which seems to be like sometimes they have live music there. Mm. I think there's less hookers there. Like there's probably a few, but it's kind of a, a young crowd and like hip hop crowd. And yeah, yeah like I, I met a few girls there and yeah, I, I liked it there. What do you think about it, Angel? It, it stays open really late. Right. I met a couple of girls there. Typically after Bed Supper Club, you used to finish about two or three. If you go straight over there for about an hour or so, it doesn't get too sleazy. <laughs> so, you know, there were some interesting girls uh, maybe potentially to meet at that time. And then it starts going downhill as people get more drunk and, you know, some people go home and, and new people turn up. Yeah. Okay, so how about how about the daytime? What do you guys think of uh, meeting girls in a day? Well, the thing is, I think with Bangkok, because it's such a huge city... There's girls everywhere, so it pretty much doesn't really matter where you go. Like You're going to find some girls that you find attractive. So I found with me just going out, doing whatever I'm wanting to do anyway, you're better off doing that, and then you can just sort of meet some girls, talk to some girls while you're out, maybe shopping. Like, you know, I was out shopping a couple of days ago, buying some stuff for my apartment, like grocery shopping, and everything is written in Thai pretty much, so it's easy enough just to talk to the girl who's in the aisle next to you, like, Hey, do you speak English? Can you uh, can you tell me what this says on here? I've got no idea what I'm buying, and then you can sort of get into a conversation from there. So if you're out doing that, if you're out shopping, walking around, just checking out the city, you're gonna see a lot of girls around. Public transport. The good thing about Bangkok is it's quite easy to get around the city if you're going to the main main part. So you get the Sky Train will take you to to most places. There's plenty of hot girls on that. Well, so I think for me, my favourite place to talk to girls in the day is Kosan Road. Like we were saying before, that's a big backpacker area. Mm. So there's a lot of young Western girls. Typically, you'll find they're from probably West Western European countries is most common. There's a heap of like German girls, French girls, Swedish uh, girls, Swedish. Yeah, a lot of Scandinavian Scandinavian girls, which is great. So if you like, you know, early twenty skinny Bond girls, it's a good place to go. Just walking around, checking out the the clothes that they're selling, the jewelry. If you're looking to buy gifts for people, it's a, it's a good place to go. There's a lot of girls just walking around either by themselves or in small groups. It's very easy just to start a conversation with them. There's a lot of street vendors selling food on the side of the road. So even just standing there buying some food, I was able to small group to start conversations with girls who were standing next to me buying something. It's very low-key, chilled-out kind of place. It's not hard to, to meet people there. Yep. A lot of the girls, they're travelling by themselves, so... Even the ones that you see sitting down, having having lunch with another girl, or at night having drinks with with a friend, it's often just a girl that they've met in the same hostel that they're staying in. Like they're not really good friends that they know from back home. Mm. So in that situation, they're open to meeting people. One of the reasons that they come here, they want to have adventure. They want to meet other people. They want to have a good time. Definitely, it's a good place to go to meet some girls if you're, if you're looking to do some daytime stuff. I know that, Angel, you're probably more of an expert on shopping center game, like places like Paragon. Do you want to talk about your experience with, 
with that. The types of girls that I wanted to meet, they, they didn't necessarily, they weren't necessarily party girls. I like, I like a, it's a kind of well-educated girls that kind of high so vibe sometimes, uh, which, you know, means they have more money and, and stuff like that. And so what, one of the things I did is I used to just work, uh, cause I, cause I, cause I can work anywhere. So I used to work in a Starbucks in uh, Paragon center. So I spent a lot of time in Paragon, which is the, the largest kind of nicest shopping center. And you tend to, you know, get people of, you know, a good background, they have money and stuff. And so uh, I would meet a lot of girls there and I met a lot of my girlfriends there. You know, I would say maybe, you know, at least 50, 60% of the girls I dated probably from, from just that shopping center and just hanging out. And, you know, it was just, if I walked around and I saw someone I liked, uh, I'd start talking to them. Thai girls are very friendly. Not all of them speak English. So, you know, that, that's, you know, that, that's one dimension. So I guess we can talk about language, but I studied, I studied Thai and you can learn some basics pretty quickly to have a basic conversation. I'm into languages, so uh, you know that that was a lot of fun for me. I, th- I think Paragon and Demo and some places in Tonglo, if you're into high quality girls from an educational and, and you know kind of like intelligence and, and other other kind of standpoint, um, then you can meet some really really nice girls there. And you know th- those are kind of like where I met most of the girls or friends and stuff uh, with them. So um, all sorts of girls with different backgrounds. So some of them just kind of rich kids. They don't do anything. Some of them, uh, they just decide to party a lot. So the girls in demo, sometimes they just, they don't really seem to want to do any much with their life apart from party. Um, somebody, there's lots of airline hostesses around because the, a lot of the airlines get a lot of airline hostesses from Thailand because they're pretty and they're, you know, they're very polite. You know, there's a lot of that kind of job. So yeah, and the other place is Central World in terms of shopping centers. And there's another one called Terminal 21. So I met a few nice girls in Central World and a couple in, in Terminal. But, you know, Paragon tended to be a cl- place where I met girls I, was, I felt were of a higher, higher quality. So that's kind of that's my story. Yeah, there's a couple other places where I found that are quite good. Uh, Emporium is another supermarket that I found uh, another shopping center that's got quite a lot of high quality girls. Mm. Big department store in there and plenty of other shops, a bit more upmarket. The other one that I've been to that was interesting was uh, MBK. <laughs> it's maybe hard to describe that place. It's, what is it, six six levels? Six. Five or six levels? Yeah, it's six levels of what Charlie would call the shitstorm, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lower quality place in that like, a couple of boards, they're just set up as markets, so there are people in there selling basically their shit products. Thai people, they, you know, they pay their fee to set up and they're selling shitty t-shirts and fake rip-offs of name <laughs> brands and all sorts of shit like that. There's one floor, it's just dedicated to like mobile phones. It's a very busy place. There's a lot of girls working in there. I was talking to Charlie about this place the other day. There's a lot of girls just working in the shops that are very bored. Mm. Uh, they're just sort of texting on their phones, watching, watching DVDs on the little portable DVD players that they take to their work. They don't really give a shit about their job. They're just in there mm. killing time. So I think they're quite easy to approach some of those girls. Mm. And there's a lot of tourists in there. It's one of the places tourists get told to go and check out if they're looking for bargains and things that they want to go buy, check out MBK. So I found a lot of attractive Western girls in there, mm. Russian girls, you know, probably mod- models in there. The thing with Russian girls, you see a lot of them, they come over here as models. But the other side of it is a lot of them are prostitutes. There's a big market for Western prostitutes here, and there's also a lot of Russian mafia working here in Thailand. So there is a lot of Russian prostitutes. So just keep that in mind when you're going and talking to them, thinking, oh, this is a 
obviously a Russian model, but chances are she could be a hooker. Right. Some very nice Western girls in there as well, so that's maybe another place worth checking out. Yeah, so there's a couple of, there's a couple of after-hour clubs uh, we missed, which were Insomnia, which is by Sunrise Taco near Times Square on Sycamvit. Similar to the others, Mix which is a newer one. It's in the bottom of the Intercontinental Hotel. And I think that's kind of something that's interesting to mention is that there's a lot of these like under hotel bars. I've, I've been to a few of them, not, not, not that many, but I think there are lots in Bangkok. Like all the, all the major hotels seem to have them, Novotel and, and so on. There seem to be a lot of hookers in those kind of places. That, that's kind of been my experience. One of the best ones where people tend to go more and there's a slightly lower ratio of hookers to uh, normal girls and so on is mix and that that was quite popular when i was i left about a year ago not sure if it's as popular today i have no experience i haven't been there i've a couple of people told me they've gone there and they say that it's quite a lot of hookers in there so it may have changed a bit since you were there last uh there's a lot of hookers uh so there's probably 80 percent after two or three three a.m but there are some okay. normal girls that go there, and there's uh, also some foreign girls, like uh, Russian models and stuff, in one room. There's one room which is a little bit better. Yeah, actually, a friend of mine was last week. He uh, he took a Thai girl home from there, but he said the the same thing. There's basically one room for normal girls and one room for hookers. So I don't know if they have signs on the door <laughs> or not to tell you which way to go. But yeah, he goes. You can tell which room is the prostitutes and which room is a normal girl. So it sounds interesting. Yeah, that, that's funny. There's one room that's packed and then there's the other room which is normally empty and it has this small dance floor and that the small room is the one which, and the it's small and empty, is where more normal girls are. It's it's strange like that. Must be some... Is, is that like a club policy? Like they don't let the hookers go into the other area or is it just how the hookers want to separate themselves? I don't know. It sounds, yeah. sounds strange. I actually have no idea. Like, you do see a hooker, like, will walk through this little passageway into the other side of the club and then she'll kind of normally turn back pretty quickly or sometimes she'll hover around for a little while and then I guess they just decide it's not their scene and they go back. Okay. Sounds interesting. Kind of weird. Let's talk, let's talk about, like, more of the, some of the cultural aspects or differences with dating and meeting women in Thailand. One of, one of the kind of I guess the big things to get away is like any cultural taboos which could like get, in, get you into trouble with a girl and you maybe you don't know it. I have a few in, in mind, but uh, Charlie, are there any big no-nos that, you know, you should try to avoid with Thai girls? Yeah, well, the, the pink elephant in the room would be the, the whole foot and head thing. Mm. I learned I learned about that when, like I read about it in the Lonely, the Lonely Planet when I was backpacking, but then I forgot about it. And <laughs> the first girl that I hooked up with here, I was, I was staying in her room. We're just clowning around on the bed, like wrestling and whatever. And I, I pushed her away with my foot. Like I, like I put my foot on her ass and just pushed her across the bed. And she got really upset. And I was like, what, what? was wrong and she's like don't do that yeah she explained to me you know it was the foot and, I, and then i remembered I mean, you're not supposed to touch things with your feet and you're not supposed to point at anything with your feet just the other day i was i was working and one of my employees i was talking to her and i i pointed at something on the floor with my foot i was, I was like that one right there she got really pissed off at me yeah don't point at things with your feet and don't touch things with your feet and that, so the foot is like the low part of the body. It's like the dirty part. And the head is the sacred part. It's the part that's closest to heaven. And well, they don't really believe in heaven, but you know, it's like, it's the sacred part of the body and you're supposed to treat the head with respect. And like one, one time I dropped a coin 
and like I was fishing through my pockets and like a couple coins fell out and the coin was rolling across the ground. And like, what do you usually do when, when a coin is rolling away from you? you? You step on it, right? But the king's face is on the coin. So you're breaking two taboos there. If you step on a coin, putting your foot on the king's head. <laughs> and then that, that leads to another taboo is the king and the royal family. Don't say anything about the royal family, anything bad. Uh, or you could get thrown in jail. And it's happened before, too. Westerners have been thrown in jail for shit-talking the, the royal family. Mm. What else you guys got? On the, on the head thing, when I got to Bangkok, I think you told me about that. I had a girlfriend who was very much a party girl. I mean, she would go out, like, most nights. And so she was, you know, a bit more feisty, a bit more edgy than, than other girls. One One night in bed, I... I pushed her down onto the bed and I stood on her head. <laughs> and as you can imagine, she like freaked. Uh, and so she was quite an internationalized. And that's in public too, right? Like everybody was watching you guys fooling around. No, 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 no. no. Stepped on her. No, 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 that, that wasn't in public. That, of course, that, that's another interesting thing to talk about is public things. This was in my room in, in bed. So, you know, I pushed oh, her onto Oh, I thought you meant I meant bed, supper club. Oh, yeah, that would, that, would be, that would be so uncool. Okay, so, you know, I stepped on her head and I kind of, I held her there and she, like, got so pissed off at me. Um, now, obviously, the thing with party girls, you know, they're a bit more drama and in a way it can be good for the relationship sometimes to be a bit more edgy. So that was kind of the, the angle I was going for. It didn't hurt the relationship or anything, but that's a very specific uh, situation and she did get pissed off, off at me and call me an asshole for a while afterwards with a slight smile to her face, right? But she was, she was a more edgy girl than the, the majority of them and she's more open internationally as well. So she kind of understands that we're not Thai and uh, we don't, you know, we don't understand. Well, she knew I understood, but she knew I didn't take, you know, it's not something in my rules to with the head and the, and the foot and stuff. You got you to calibrate, I guess, the situation. But in general, I would just avoid the whole head and foot issue, uh, as uh, Charlie said. Jackson, have you come across anything yet? I think no, the main ones, the ones that you talked about with the, especially with the, the feet, like not, not to point your feet at people and to be respectful that way. I don't know, I think for me, like this, maybe not cultural taboos, but just being respectful in general and like you were talking about before about things in public, I think they're very concerned about how people see them in, in public and how their, their reputation is. So don't do anything that's sort of disrespectful to people in public would be a big one. One thing I've noticed is you don't see a lot of people like misbehaving and doing things to draw attention to themselves like you might see in Western countries. For example, like if I go out to nightclubs back home in Australia, I guarantee every night I'm going, I go out, I'm going to see people getting drunk, having fights, stumbling out onto the street, swearing at people, you know, starting more fights out on the street. Like literally every night I go out, I'll see that. That's just sort of what people might do in Australia when they get drunk, you know, especially in certain areas. I haven't seen that once over here in the whole time I've been going out. So I think people are a lot more respectful of people in general. They're concerned about their image in public. You won't really see a lot of girls hooking up with guys in public. Mm. I mean, there's not really a lot of, like, you know, kissing in public is not really a big thing. Uh, so maybe stay stay away from that. Like, you can sort of get away with it in, in nightclubs. But if you're out on the street, I don't think I've really seen people kissing in public. Well, the, the other thing I would say to avoid is being overly familiar with girls that you don't know. A lot of guys, uh, Western guys, they come here and they think that 
all Thai girls are hookers and they can do whatever they want with them. A lot of girls that I've spoken to here have told me they're, they're out in a bar or a nightclub and some drunk Western guy comes over and puts his hands all over them, starts touching them up, thinking that it's just some Thai hooker and they can treat them however they want. And obviously the girls get pissed off with that because they're just regular girls. They're not hookers and it makes them feel disrespected like they're a piece of meat. Yeah. So just just treat girls with respect, and the girls have told me like they're they're open to talking to any foreign guy who comes and talks to them. If you'll just be respectful, ask them their name, talk to them like a person, and treat them like an equal. I think after you get to know them, you can you know be a lot more physical with them. But you wouldn't really do that to a girl in in your own country. You're not going to go up to some girl you don't know, stick your arm around her, start trying to fondle her breasts, that kind of thing. It's it's a rude thing to do. So. Don't do it over here in Thailand either. Yeah, you bring up some great points, and I, I think one of the main I, f- I feel that uh, because it's in a way because it's the Buddhist Buddhist thing that's embedded in the culture. I think it's kind of like they have very high social standards for behavior. Like if if you see someone misacting socially, so they kind of lose control and they start yelling at people or they do anything negative like that, it, you know, it's like giving negative emotions out. I find that Thai people are more sensitive to that, a lot more sensitive, and they're like, "Oh, what's that person doing? You know, he's he's just yelling, and he's not being nice, and he's not in control of his emotions, and he's not being respectful, he's not being polite, and they really look kind of down on that." I mean, it's not. It, I wouldn't say it's looking down because that because the other aspect of Buddhism is you're non-judgmental, but it's just kind of like that's wrong, you know, and they don't feel comfortable around it, and they're going to try and avoid it, right? They'll just try to avoid that kind of behavior because uh, it's inappropriate, basically. In, in a way, I see Thailand is one of the things I like about it is they kind of have very high standards for socializing and, you know, respect. And these are, for me, they're great attributes for anyone to learn, whether it be in dating game or just in general life. I think you've got a lot to learn from being in Thailand and relating to uh, Thai girls and, and Thai guys because they, they have some great standards uh, around that. The other thing that, you know, Jackson just mentioned is discretion. Uh, another that's another important thing I looked at, and that's kind of applicable a bit more to Asia in general as well. But when you're hooking up with a girl or getting physical with a girl or anything, you you and or even like you know if you're becoming girlfriend girlfriend and boyfriend, especially on the there's a continuum in Thailand. You go all the way from uh, hooker, which is their standards for the way they live are obviously extremely different because of their lifestyle compared to the normal girl. And somewhere in the middle, you would get a girl who's kind of like balances, like you'd think she's balanced based on your Western standards. And then you'd, you'd have another extreme, which is more traditional. So if you go to Tonglor, if you go to the more Thai area, you'll find people are a bit more traditional. And, you know, they're, they're not as cool with uh, the, some of the behaviors Jackson talked about. They'll be kind of horrified in some places. Uh, so, you know, one example I'm thinking of, like, I, I started dating uh, a girl who was, I met her on uh, actually Kosamed, one of the islands. So, you know, she's just a, a Thai girl who's, you know, she tends to, she comes from the Thai world more, some of the Thai clubs we talked about. She doesn't go to any foreign clubs or anything like that. She didn't speak very good English, actually. You know, I, I was taking her out, and I think I was only on my third or fourth date, but, you know, we got to this point where we're holding hands and she's coming around my house, and, you know. So, but in, in public, you have, I still have to be kind of careful with her, you know, because she, she didn't want everyone to see what was going on and, and stuff like she's kind of from that it's, it's, it's a lot more discretion is, is required and a guy I know don't, didn't know him very well he, he, I bumped into him on the street and he went to just go and hug her and she was horrified 
<laughs> you know, because it's something she's just not used to, you know, and she's not used to meeting a lot of foreigners either. You know, she'd never really spoken a lot to a foreigner apart from me. So I had to go, whoa, 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 whoa hey, you know, because you could see from her face that she was reacting very badly to that. So I just say, hey, you've got to be a bit cooler with the girls who aren't used to foreigners and stuff. So that's an, that's an example where you've got to be a bit more discreet about physical touch. You know, obviously that's a bit more of an extreme example and you'll find depending on the type of girl you're dating or, or you're seeing or you're meeting, that, that, it, that it's a bit different. Another girl I was dating, a quick example, uh, she was an airline hostess, so she spoke English. She'd obviously traveled, you know, she'd, she'd been to lots of places around the world. But she was also very high, so kind of that background. And, you know, on our second date, I held her hand, and that was pushing her personal boundaries. That was pushing, pushing her physical boundaries. And she immediately said, like, oh, what's going on? You're holding my hand. You know, even though we'd had a good vibe and everything. And I had to, you know, I had to, I had to work over that and, and get her used to it in a, a, a more, like, dominant frame pushing approach than I would normally elsewhere in the world uh, to get her over it and to get her to feel comfortable with that. So that's partly because it's in public, but it's also uh, kind of a comfort, a comfort zone some of the girls have. So Charlie, what, I mean, you know, you've been in Thailand a long time. What kind, of, what kind of examples of this or other aspects that you found different can you give? Well, I'd, I'd just like to add to, to what you're saying there. Like you were stressing how there's like a continuum. There's like, uh, it's like a big spectrum. So some girls will be really slutty and open and, or not necessarily slutty, but you know, like the party girls, you can throw them around and you can get away with more with them in public. And not every girl is like the, the air hostess that you were just talking about, like mm-hmm. holding hands. Yeah. I, in my experience, like that's really, really extreme, mm. but yeah, it's, it's usually like somewhere in the middle, maybe a little more towards that end. And I've also noticed that we're, we kind of touched on it earlier that Thai people are really conscious of people watching them. So like, if you're, if you're like in a mall and you're talking with a girl, mm. I think the girl's going to be really conscious that like you're standing there in the mall and she's talking to a white guy. If, if you're a white guy like me and there's kind of a stigma with that in, in Thailand, it's like every time you see a, a white guy with, with a Thai girl, people think, you know, they, they think, okay, is that, is that a hooker or is that guy paying her to hang out with him? Which it's not always the case. Like most of the time it's not, but People do think that and the girls are aware that people are probably wondering that about her if she's seen talking to you. So that would be like in a mall or something. But if if you're in a nightclub, like in a upper class Thai style nightclub, and you happen to be talking to a Thai girl who's there with her group of friends who are like guys and girls and maybe like their high school friends, and you go over there and you start talking to her, just be, be conscious that she is also being conscious of that her friends are watching her and she might not like that. Like she might, mm-hmm. like if, if you're alone with her, she might be cool and she might want to talk to you, but you might get a bit of um, a barrier if, if it's like that. So you have to watch your behavior. You can't do anything outlandish and stupid and really flashy like we were talking about before. Behave yourself and be polite and maybe say hi to her friends too and... Yeah, don't don't draw attention to yeah. to the two of you standing there talking. She might get shy, and and also we're we're talking about the whole conflict avoidance thing mm. in in Thai culture. It's really frowned upon if if you have conflict with somebody, especially if it's public conflict. I mean, maybe you've heard about Asian cultures and saving face. The Thai people tend to avoid 
arguments and direct conflict with other people. Yeah, so the whole area of con conflict avoidance and resolution really comes out in some interesting ways, especially in relationships. You know, this is where you learn a lot about Thai culture and some of its intricacies. And uh, I know, I know both. I and Charlie have kind of some stories in relationships, and you learn you learn a lot from these relationships. I think there's some good things you learn, like about conflict avoidance and hand, how to handle things more appropriately in a in a better way to uh, preserve trust in the relationship. So that's something that I think I learned from Thailand and, and dating Thai women. But I know Charlie has you know a good example of. One of the situations uh, you can come across, which is, you know, the, the different ways Western and, you know, Thai people can look at lying and conflict avoidance, uh, which I, I think Western guys could find very confusing and annoying. And so anyway, Charlie, like, it would be cool if you could tell us that, that story. Well, I'm not really sure if, if that story is about conflict avoidance. Mm -hmm. um, it's more, it's more of just like a story about lying and unhealthy and untrusting relationship with someone. I met this girl at 7-Eleven and we ended up dating and I was dating other girls and she, she told me she, she wasn't dating any other guys and she kept like asking me to be her boyfriend and to be exclusive with her. And like, I kept saying no. And after a couple months, um, I finally said yes. And so like, all right, cool. I, I got a girlfriend now It's me and her and we're exclusive. But then she kept like, you know, she kept disappearing for a few days or, you know, like she wouldn't answer the phone. Like there's a lot of times where I was kind of getting to be suspicious about what she was doing. She told me she um, had this business, like she owned a restaurant in Hong Kong. So that was her excuse for disappearing for a few days. It, it was just really, um, suspicious and at one point I like when she was sleeping I took her phone and I I, <laughs> I plugged it into my computer and I downloaded all her text messages and then like I, I just read them and found out that she'd been she like she was a hooker she used to work in this bar she knew a lot of guys and like I was read messages like come to my room and suck my dick uh, how much money do you want? And I found out that the place that she's staying at, like her apartment was actually one of her boyfriend's apartment who he lives in another country mm -hmm. and he like, he's really rich and he like, he, he's letting her stay in his apartment while he's gone, mm -hmm. which explains why she never let me come to her place. And the Mercedes that she wrecked was actually his. And when she told me that she was going to do some business in Hong Kong, obviously she was, she went to a beach with some guy, one of her clients. So like this girl is typical. Like she had a few different guys in different countries sending her money every month and she was just partying. And I, I don't know why she wanted me to like be exclusive with her. But yeah, it was, it was pretty hardcore. And, and Angel, you remember when I was going through that, like I, I was really upset. Like I was ridiculously upset yeah. And it was a real hard time for me and see that kind of shit all the time here. It's, yeah. it's very common. Like we all know somebody who's been that guy. Hmm. And like, that was after I'd been here like seven years, I should have known better. I should have seen the warning signs. And like, I always laugh at guys that that, <laughs> that happens to like, that's never going to happen to me. Look at those idiots. But yeah, I was one of those idiots. So like guys, if you come out here and like you stay a while, be careful with girls like that. There's a ton of girls that like their game, their whole game is to meet guys who are traveling to, to like have a relationship with them. And then the guy goes back home 
and then she needs money. So she asks him and the guy ends up sending money every month. You know, there's a joke that's going around that like the Thai girl will tell, tell the guy that her Buffalo is sick. Um, and she needs money to help like take the Buffalo to the, the vet and yeah, be careful, be careful about that. Right. It's, it's a part of the, the Bangkok scene is that, you know, there's these go-go bars where, you know, girls will start when they're really young, I guess, 18, 20s or, or early 20s. And they'll be working there for a while and then they'll get some, it seems like what happens is they get some clients who really like them. And, you know, those clients start sending them money. So they kind of get set up and then they leave the, the world of the go-go. And then, and then I think a lot of them, because they're so used to partying, they've kind of been trained to be part hardcore partiers because that's what they've been doing for the last, you know, all their working lives. They will start partying in places like Soy 11. So that's why you see a lot of hookers or kind of like ex-hookers, this gray area where they have providers in other countries and they've got this lifestyle where they have tons of money. They have like, you know, a Mercedes, there's, there's loads of girls, they look like they have loads of money and they have a nice apartment and they don't work, those are all red flags. Red so, flags, yeah. Yeah, all red flags because she's probably got money sent to her. And then the other thing that uh, Charlie just brought up, the disappearing thing. So if you ever see, start seeing a girl and then she disappears, start, like basically she's not answering SMS or a phone, that's a huge red flag. Because that means that her provider came into town or, and she either went to the beach or she's you know, at the apartment with him and she can't reply to your messages, of course, because he's more important because he's paying for her lifestyle. So she would never want him to find out that she's partying and having fun with, with, with you, right? And obviously, you're not paying her. You, and on, a, on some levels, like some of these girls, it varies, but they actually want a real boyfriend and they want real love. But, you know, because of their background, their economic background and everything, they need the providers. So I guess they're there. They feel in this really difficult situation where they kind of want to evolve to a normal relationship with some guy, but they have all that background behind them, too. You know, you can see how complicated their life is. They're, they're trying to keep secrets from everyone. And, you know, with, with Charlie's example, like I actually said to her many times, and this is why we, we came up on this, because of this conflict avoidance or like just lying is a, a different thing in uh, Thailand, is that he would like show her their messages and, and stuff that he had on her and she would still deny everything. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, like I kind of forgot about that. I think this was a pretty traumatic experience for me and I kind of just avoided thinking about it so I forget about the details. Um, you probably remember them more more than I do. But yeah, rem now that you mention it, I remember, I don't know if I was showing her the message, but like I would maybe quote it word for word and she'd keep denying it. Like that night that we broke up, like I, I told her everything that I, I read and she kept denying it, denying it and denying it until she, I think she slapped me in the face and she stormed off. And that was like, that was the last I talked to her for quite a while there. Yeah. And I mean, in a way it is like, if, if, a, if a Thai girl doesn't want you to know something or she doesn't, she feels bad about something, if she like, if she doesn't tell you the truth the first time, she's going to make, it doesn't matter how much you know, she's always going to make up a new lie, right? It's, it's like, we look at it as lying, but I think in a way it's them avoiding the discomfort of the whole situation. She knows that you know, but she doesn't want to talk about it with you, right? So in the West, we hate it because it's lying, but for them, I think it's something different, which I'm not exactly sure what it is. There's no point in pushing. Like in a relationship, if this happens, for instance, and you keep on pushing, like, 
some of the times you're just going to end up having more drama, more arguments and never get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. I couldn't agree more. I mean, maybe that happens in the West too, but it, it happens a lot more because I think it's a face saving thing. So if they've said something to you and then you say that's not true because I have proof it's not to save their face, they still have to say that they didn't tell you a lie in the first place. Right. So, yeah. And then and you're supposed to just stop talking about it. And yeah, like maybe you both know that it's bullshit, but you just don't talk about it so you can save face and you don't have to have that uncomfortable situation. Jackson, I know you haven't been, you know, in relationships or anything, but have you noticed anything like, like this? I've probably noticed it from the other side because I've, I've hooked up with a few girls who have told me that they've got boyfriends, like guys who live in other countries that mm. send them money. Yeah. And it's interesting to talk to them about it because I say, you know, does your boyfriend know that you're out sleeping with other guys and I say, oh no, he thinks that I'm a very good girl. Mm. He doesn't know what I'm really like. You know, I'm a really bad girl, but he thinks that I'm like a princess. And if I ask him to send me money because I need money for my family because they're sick or, you know, I've heard the buffalo thing before that Charlie was talking about. Mm. The guy will just, just send the money. Like he won't even think about it because in his mind, she's his girlfriend and she's probably over here sitting in her apartment waiting for him to come back and spend time with him and it's a very naive way of looking I think for the guys who are overseas like it's different if you're living here like the situation that Charlie was talking about if, if you're in another country I would say don't even think about having a Thai girlfriend who lives here because I can guarantee you she's going to cheat on you you know if you're coming coming here a few times a year don't expect her to be faithful don't send her any money. She's just using you to support her lifestyle while she goes out and hooks up with other guys. So yeah. be very careful about the type of girls that you get involved in a right. relationship. I've got well, one thing I want to bring up here is we're like, I don't, we can't say Thai girls here because we're talking basically about the Thai girl partiers or, you know, the ex hookers, but they may look just like partiers yeah. to you. Cause if you go to the more, you, you go to the traditional bars and, and the, the Thai bars we were talking earlier and you meet those kind of girls, that's not at all a situation. It's, 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 it's very different. So, you know, there's, there's different worlds in Bangkok and you have to kind of learn which to recognize. So, you know, since we're on this topic, you know, um, if you're in a bar, how do you, how do you, like, there's two things, like, I guess guys would want to know, you know, if they're in a bar, how do they recognize if a girl's a hooker or not, or maybe an ex-hooker, and how would they know if she's a ladyboy or not? With the first one, with the hookers, it, it is really hard to tell, and, and one of the ways, one of the reasons for that is what we were talking about before, is there's not really, like, just hookers and non-hookers, there's this whole grey area in between, so you might be out in a bar or a club, and there's a girl in there, and, you know, she's not a hooker, but sometimes she'll go out and if she meets the guy, she might be kind of attracted to him. So she's willing to go home with the guy, but then she'll expect him to give her some money as compensation or she might say, oh, you know, I need I need to go shopping tomorrow. Can you give me, uh, you know, 500 baht, 1,000 baht so I can buy something? And they don't really look at it as them being hookers. They're just they're hooking up with a Western guy who has got some money. He, he's treating them to like a gift or something like that. So it's... It's different to what we think of as prostitution, but it's very normal over here. I found for me, like I'm still not at the stage where I can tell 100% which girl is a hooker, which girl isn't. Like if a, if a girl is there by herself, she's looking looking around, trying to make eye contact with a lot of different guys, wearing a really short skirt, high heels. She doesn't really look like she's having a good time. She's not vibing with what's happening in the bar. 
chances are that she, she's a hooker and she's looking for business. But it's not always a certainty like in, until you actually go up and talk to them and maybe bring up the subject, like you're not really going to know 100%. So it's, it's tough. If you guys have got any surefire ways to tell, I'd be, I'd be keen to hear them. Charlie, mm. do you want to? Well, yeah. First of all, like, where, where are you? If you're in a questionable place, then yeah, you, it might be a hooker. If you're in a, in a Thai club, chances are they're not. But yeah, sometimes there will be hookers at Thai clubs. Everything Jackson said, and also, like he said, if they're looking around and making eye contact with guys, yeah, definitely. And if you like go up and you approach her and she's just really, really receptive, yeah, maybe she just really likes you, but um, she also might be a prostitute or just looking for some money. If they approach you, yeah. And if they, if they touch you, because like we said before, they're not really that touchy. Like may, maybe if they just touch you lightly in the arm, that's that's normal. Normal girls might do that. But if it's any more than that, then uh, yeah, be suspicious. And once you get talking to them, ask them like what they do and do they have a job or are they a student? If they're not working and and they don't and they're not studying, well then you got to wonder, you know, like where do they get their money? And they might not directly tell you that, like actually. Sometimes they don't directly tell you because they might not be looking for money with you. They might just be trying to have fun that night and maybe they actually like you and they don't want you to know that they're a prostitute. Or they might want money from you and they, but they might still not want to tell you that they're a prostitute because, you know, I, it, it gets pretty confusing. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about like directly asking them if, if they're a prostitute? I think I'll give you an example of a similar case where, where I did. So I would do exactly what Charlie, Charlie does is like, uh, first, first of all, I'd say the clothes can be quite a giveaway. How much breast are they showing? Like there's some party, there's some Thai girls, which are extreme party girls that will show a bit more breast and kind of that stuff, but most of them won't. So, you know, the clothes and the makeup, how much makeup they're waiting and stuff like that is kind of but you can't you can't make an assumption based on that because it could it could be like there's there's one party girl and she's a bit more hardcore than the others. So when you start talking to her, as, as Charlie said, like ask her what she does, you know, ask ask a few questions like that. And if there's any hesitation or if or if it sounds unusual, just ask a few more questions and you know, just keep going and you know in a relaxed manner. But just and if it sounds weird, then there's something she's hiding most most probably. Kind of the things to watch out for. So. The other aspect I would say is like, this is what I was doing late, later on was like some girls, uh, I wasn't really sure, like, and this will happen in the gray area, say that they used to be hookers, but for like five years, they haven't been a hooker because they fixed all of that and they got provider. And sometimes they even managed to get a, like a permanent source of income somehow, like maybe they got married and then they got divorced and now some of them have even kids in, in another country. Like I met girls like that, you know, like she had, a, she had a kid in Sweden and she was getting money from the ex-husband and she was partying in um, Bangkok. So, you know, you can get all sorts of things like that. But what I did find is that this is, this is my assumption is like basically those kind of, if she's got an ex-hooker background, she will expect to hook up with you that first night. All right. So one my system later on was... I, I'm not usually a one-night stand or a one-night hookup guy anyway, so I found that this worked very well for me. It's just like, I would be like, okay, well, look, I'm busy. I'm with my friends and stuff. I'm going to go and hang out with them now, but I'm going like, to let's ha hang out a few days later and see. And they would resist that, and they would get confused by it. Because if you think about their background, you know, where they've come from, 
then and they're not used to guys being like that, right? So that's kind of like a sign. Whereas all the traditional Thai girls and even the party girls, that they're not gonna kind of resist that. These girls would sometimes get they think they basically think I didn't like them. That that would that was their immediate reaction. Um, they would push it a little bit sometimes and like be like, well, you know, why don't you want to go home tonight, right? And sometimes they you know they basically proposition you for it. So I found if I, I pushed them off a bit and then I contacted them later in the week, they would become a lot less interested and because they thought I was playing them or, um, and things just wouldn't work out if they had that kind of background. That's, that's kind of the, the, the filter system I had that seemed to work for me. For the difficult girls, the ones I, you know, with a bit more complicated background and it wasn't so sure. But I think a lot of them, just asking the questions Charlie asks, get, you know, it filters out most of them anyway. Yeah, Jackson, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think just asking them questions and, like you say, if something doesn't sound right, just ask another question. And I found if they, if they seem to get overly defensive or try to avoid the questions, something's up and you, you probably know that they're hiding something and you, you can have a fair idea of what it is. So I've asked some girls, you know, what their job is and they might say, oh, I'm, I'm between jobs, I'm, I'm looking for work and... So, okay, so what, what do you got planned for the rest of the week? Oh, I'm, I'm going on holiday. I'm, I'm traveling to, to this place with my friend. And it all, it all just sounds very suspicious that, okay, there's some guy flying in and she's going there to meet him and he's paying her and that's what her job is. So mm. ask those sorts of questions and mm. just, I guess, trust your, your gut instinct. Yeah. A big red flag you just brought up, you know, manipulation and drama. If she... This goes for in a relationship as well. Uh, like in, a, in, in Charlie's example before, she was giving him a lot of drama when he challenged her on it and, and always trying to emotionally manipulate him and to get, basically get out of the trouble she was in. She would try to you know, cause drama and, and, and use the emotions to, and, the, and they can be pretty good at it um, because they've had a lot of experience playing guys and working guys, basically you know, manipulating guys. That's what they used to do in their job. You can also tell if they're really good at that, I think, you know, if they have a lot of experience with emotional manipulation and you see she's trying to trying to kind of do that and switch the subject with drama and stuff like that, then I would also figure that's the, you know, a big area for suspicion. If she's, if she's that good at it, you know, and she's that used to kind of doing that, then uh, that, that might be a big red flag as also. Yeah. Or you could just ask her, you know, like <laughs> directly ask her yeah. if you, if you don't give a fuck, you know, like if, if you couldn't be bothered and like you, you don't mind losing the girl and offending her. You can just directly ask her, and that was my move for for a few years. I, depending on where I was, I would just be like, like if I was leaving the club with a girl, I would just say, you know, I'm not going to give you any money tonight, right? And actually, I, I I can only remember like one or two girls that got pissed off when I said that. I'm not sure if I would recommend that to to other guys. I guess you gotta play it by ear. Yeah, I, I would judge the situation. I mean, I, th I think in general, like, especially with the more traditional girls, you'd have to be careful with the way you presented that. Um, like, I'll give you an example of one of my girls. I, I said, like, let's meet in Soy 11. And there are some expats, foreigners there that uh, go to places like Climax and stuff to meet hookers, right? So she was waiting for me and, and, and uh, some, a couple of foreigners came up and asked her, you know, asked to take her home. And she was like a high-so girl. And she flipped out, you know, she was horrified when I met her. So... You know, I, people from the more traditional extreme, the last thing they want on earth is to be compared to a hooker or think that they've done something potentially, you know, that indicates in some way they are a hooker. So, you know, you could really upset a girl and lose her that way. So, you know, I think if you could, 
First of all, if she's really traditional, you're not going to be worrying because it's going to be kind of obvious. You wouldn't need to have a straightforward question. If she's more of a party girl, she's going to freak out less about that question. But you could say something like, you know, you know, hey, I'm, I'm kind of aware that, you know, there's lots of hookers in all of these bars or, or girls that, you know, have been ex-hookers or, or have providers. Just couch it a little bit better, you know. And I'm just, you know, concerned about that aspect. So, you know, I, I don't think you are, but could you tell me if you are? But the problem with that, I guess, is that when she doesn't want you, she's just going to say, no, I'm not, right? So that doesn't, in a way, that doesn't really help. And you kind of got to look for the hesitation. And maybe because you're direct, you'll see more hesitation. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, if you don't, yeah, I was just going to say, um, if you don't find out, like if you end up spending a lot of time with her and you never try to figure out if she's a hooker or not, you might end up wasting a lot of time. Um, if, like if you don't want to be with a hooker, you might end up finding out she's a hooker later. You might find out as you're leaving the club or you might find out as you're in it when you're in the taxi or you might find out when you're in bed or you might find out the next morning when she sticks her hand out and you're like what what are you doing and she's like give me money yeah that, that's a consequence if you don't think of this ahead of time yeah and that definitely happens I, I know i know guys who have gone out to a club hooked up with a girl brought her home and in the morning the guy's expecting her to leave and she's like Where's my money? You owe me two thousand baht. And the guy's like, "What are you talking about?" Because they never, they never talked about the the subject. And you know, so, some of the guys who are maybe a bit more savvy have just kicked her out without paying her. Other guys have sort of got sucked in and ended up having to shell out money. So I, I have directly asked them if I'm in a bar. I've just straight out said to them, like, you know, are you uh, are you looking for fun or are you looking for money? Some of them are like, oh, you know. I, I, I want both. So, okay, well, you know, good luck with that and that's the end of it. So at least you're not wasting time. Whereas other girls are like, no, I'm, you know, I'm not like that. I just I just want to have fun. I like you and I don't want any money. Sometimes it pays to be upfront and direct and just ask them, but some, some girls m- maybe get offended. They're like, you, you think that I'm hooker? Like, you think I look like hooker? And the way that I yeah. sort of play that off is that, well, I've, I've only just come to this country and for me, it's very hard to tell when I go to a nightclub which girls are just there to have a good time and which girls are there looking for looking for customers because I can't tell tell the difference. So, And then girls, they'll often be okay with it because they, they think that you don't know any better. Yeah, like there is a risk of offending some girls by just directly asking them. I guess it's something you just got to be prepared for. Yeah, so... Did, you know, I think what we're saying, like, there's a lot of similarities with ladyboys, actually. And I'll, I'll kind of kick off with uh, a, a story there is that, you know, one of my good friends in Bangkok, she's a ladyboy and, you know, Charlie knows her. I think, I think Jackson met her. She's attractive. Didn't meet her. I think that's the one that you told me about, but I never, I never saw her. Yeah, I, she's, she's extremely attractive. The way I met her was how I met a lot of girls in uh, Bangkok. And you'll notice I say girl. And that's really because I kind of think of her like a girl. And it's something that you learn about in, in Thailand is like when you're not used to it, you know, you never heard of lady boys before or, you know, in the West there, it, there's a few of them and we're not used to them. But when well, you get to- Angel, 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 um, I don't think we actually explained what a lady boy is. Ah, um, go, go for wanna, it. It's a transvestite, it's a transsexual. It's a, it's a woman who used to be a man and then like they get, they might have breast implants, they might have been taking hormones Sometimes they really look like they, they really look like girls. Like the one that Angel's talking about, um, our friend, she she really really looks like a a real girl. Even when she's wearing a bikini and stuff, like I'll see her pictures on Facebook. 
you'll think that she's a girl, right? Yeah. So yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Angel. Like like Charlie was saying, it's kind of also you have to be aware as a continent. Uh, in Thailand, they they first start thinking about you know if they're a lady boy, if or if they're a boy about the age of uh, 14 sometimes. So, so you'll see these kids, like you're looking at them, they're kids and they're starting to dress as women. Uh, then they start taking the hormones, breasts, they don't get hairs, they're, the shape of their faces all change and stuff. And then, and then later on, when, you know, when they're working and they have money, they start doing the operations, so they get the breasts and, and, the, and the, the, the vaginas, and, uh, which are all can be pretty you know, 100% uh, convincing when it's, when it's all added up. I would say there's not very many convincing ones, but you know, in this case... There's probably 5% which are really convincing. And even if you know your way around Thailand and you've seen a lot of ladyboys, you, you still, it will be difficult to check. Now, this girl, I met her in Paragon. Uh, she was working in the uh, makeup, one of the makeup, Laurent Mercier or something. And she was, on, she was on a promotion that day and she was very attractive. So, you know, I went up, started talking to her. I, I've, I've just, I have a sixth sense. And I'm going to explain this. This seems weird to some people, but this is what I've relied on when, it, when it's kind of ladyboys. Uh, I would uh, go up to the girl, start talking to her, and if I feel <laughs> that she's, she's a guy or that there's something not, not kind of right, I, w- I would assume she's a ladyboy. And the reason I, I think that works is because I think that her hormonal profile is different and I'm picking up on it on a biological level. I haven't got any scientific proof for that. I know that, you know, this pheromones and stuff does work to a certain extent. So I think I'm picking up on that. I don't think everyone can do that, Um, but I feel that that works for me. And so while I was talking to this girl, I just, there was nothing else for me to think, you know, that she was a lady boy, but I just felt that she might be a lady boy. So I asked her because we were having a, a very easy conversation. I was just like, you know, I've got just this question in my head. I don't know why it popped up, but, you know, I'm just going to ask you and I hope you don't feel offended by this. Are you a ladyboy? And typically a ladyboy will probably say no. But actually, because she was kind of open and stuff, she's like, yeah, how did you know? And because she wasn't used to people knowing. So, you know, that, that's how I met her and we became good friends and I've known her for a long time. So I know some, you know, some facts from her life, which could be quite, ama- you know, amazing. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't think of it. First of all, she's looking for love, you know. Um, she, she's a normal kind of girl from that respect. She's looking for love, but she has this added complication that, you know, she, she used to be a guy and there's some things, she, she can't have a baby and stuff. She's got these issues in her life, um, which make it more difficult. So the first try at this was she met a guy and uh, she was dating him for, I think, uh, three years and he asked her to marry him. And she, she had to say, like, basically, okay, I'm going to have to tell him because he wants kids, right? And he didn't know up to that point. So that's, like, probably something a bit, you know, astounding for people listening that, this guy could be with her for three years and not know why. She's had everything operated, taking hormones. The only way to tell is she doesn't have a period. She, she, her vagina is lubricated. They've got operations now that do that. So if you're experienced, apparently there are ways to tell, you know, if you, you've had sex with a ladyboy, uh, for instance, it's, it's, it's not as deep, the vagina. But, you know, for an inexper- inexperienced guys, and because I know her, she's, she mostly dates inexperienced guys who never know, who never have a clue, guys who are tourists and stuff. Um, will come through and no, no guy ever picks up on it. And so she's dates lots and lots. He slept with a hot girl and never know the better. And, you know, so the only thing was in that relationship, she had to joke about her, you know, period. Like every time he's like, hey, I never see you if you have a period. And he'd be like, are you a lady boy or something? He's kind of joking. And she'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm a lady boy. You know, three years later when she had to tell him that she was actually a lady boy, 
you can imagine he was distraught and you know that that messed up all those marriage plans so that's it's just a different perspective and in thailand just like every other human there like they're very much accepted as and it's very very much accepted as normal i don't know what the percentage of in bangkok is but maybe you could say there's 10% lady boys what do you guys think no way there's, there's 10% lady boys here is that too high 10% lady boys that sounds like uh, sounds like way too many okay that's like that's like saying you mean like 10% of guys are lady boys or yeah, yeah. 10% of girls are lady boys what? um i don't think it's that high but but mm-hmm. you see them all the time yeah right i've i've had a uh, Two different girls talk about this to me. I, I think these numbers are definitely off. Mm. But both of these girl, girls told me that apparently 40% of Thai men who are of marrying age are either gay or lady boys, which sounds very excessive. I don't think that it would be that many, but mm. there is a lot of a lot of gay guys and a lot of lady boys here. Yeah. So. There, there is a decent percentage of them. There's a huge gay population, and it's girls as well. There's lots of lesbians and what you call toms and the ladies. Uh, so, you know, the actual the gay world in Thailand is a lot more complex and uh, developed, I, I think, than anywhere else I've ever seen. Because you have lots of different types of gays, because and it's all kind of segmented, and they have different approaches. Like, you know, so, some of the girls act like guys; they're called toms. And then you have, of course, normal gay guys, which you know I, we're used, more used to from the West. And then you have the lady boys, which is another type. Uh, from the, so it's very, it's a very complex and interesting world. world you know, very colourful. Um, and I think that's pretty large. I'm not sure how how many, but what it means is that they're the girls have less guys to date because there's more gay guys than there are straight guys. Or, or you know, the, the proportions are much higher than elsewhere in the world. So I think this is something interesting to also is like, there seems to be a dynamic where there's a lot more girls in Bangkok than there are in other cities, like the weighting in, in terms of the ratio. And I think it's uh, multiple things. There's the gay aspect for the guys. There's also the fact that a lot of guys who are kind of work, uh, industrial workers, like uh, they, they probably leave Bangkok to work more outside in factories and stuff, whereas more tend to come in um, and get jobs as, you know, kind of secretaries and, 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 or just being pretty or maybe working in go-go bars and, and things like that. So I think there's this kind of ratio thing in, in going on in Bangkok where there's a lot more girls than guys, relevant girls than guys. What do you guys think? Absolutely. There's, uh, there's far more girls single girls than guys here. And if, if you take just the go-go bars as an example, like if you go to, let's say you go to one bar in Soy Cowboy, which we'll probably talk about later on, there's maybe, what, 20, 20 girls working in that bar, 15 bars in the area, but straight away you've got 300 girls there, whereas there'd be maybe a couple of guys working in that area as, as, as cleaners or something. So... If you think about how many bars there are in the whole of Bangkok, you can see how you start to get this huge ratio of of girls to guys simply because there's a lot more jobs, a lot more opportunities for the girls here, even if it is as go-go bar girls or hookers or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Whereas guys, they just don't have the same opportunities. So the other factor is a lot of the girls, they're not wanting to date Thai guys. They've... They've got bad opinions of them. They've got bad experiences. So I guess for guys like us, like Western guys, foreign guys, you have plenty of options. Girls, girls are hoping to meet a Western guy because they think that they're they're going to have a better future with a Western guy than they are with a Thai guy. 
Mm. Unless you're talking about one of the very top Thai guys who has a lot of social status, a good job, good money. As a Western guy, like if you go out to any bar or club, the numbers are in your favour big time. So I guess I guess it's like party time for us. Well, about the ratio of girls and guys. Yeah, I, I just think I agree with Jackson there that like you'll notice that it seems like it's pretty easy to meet girls here and they're pretty receptive to meeting Western guys. I don't really have much to add to that. You want to get back to lady boys, right? Like how to yeah. figure out how to screen, how to figure out if, if that hot girl you're talking to is actually a lady boy. Yeah, yeah, totally. And your your advice, Angel, was to what um, sense her pheromones? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, like you said, not every guy has that ability. But yeah, there are other things that that you can you can look at just from physical appearance. Uh, don't you think? Oh, I think you know. The, the, before that, I would, I would, I you know, I, I can see a lady boy. I think from a long, long while away. I'll give you an example. Like uh, one of, uh, I actually had a chuckle one time because Baxter, he's a he's a guy, he's a, he's a pickup artist from the UK. He came with his uh, bisexual girlfriend one time, and uh, we spent a whole week partying. And he basically, you know, his girlfriend was looking for hot girls, and every would pick a lady boy. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it got to be this joke, like me and Baxter would be sitting in the corner of the club, like, and I'd be like, that's another lady boy, right? And, you know, so she'd be like hunting down and, you know, after a while when she'd got like 10 minutes into it and wasted her time, we'd go over and tap her and like, you're wrong again. And she'd be like, no, it's not possible, right? And I'd be like, yeah, how is it possible that your feminine instinct is so bad? So, <laughs> you know, that's like i think it even even for men have an intuition about this uh like sometimes they can't figure it out as well they actually think you know a lot of the lady boys are really hot and beautiful the well, biggest it sounds like she, her pheromones are kicking in like maybe she's not as bisexual as she thinks and she's like attracted <laughs> to the male aspect of the lady boy that she's looking at there that's a really interesting idea there because maybe she likes the idea of looking at hot women and making out you know going with hot women, but actually maybe she likes, you know, the guts out perfectly for her with a ladyboy. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the way, the biggest way I can recognize a ladyboy uh, from a distance is the way they move. I think that that is by far the easiest because from, from their birth, they, they, you know, they were walking around like a guy and uh, the way guys and women move is different, especially in Thailand. Girls are more feminine, I think, than in the West where, you know, uh, westernized girls tend to have taken on some feminine uh, aspects of their characters and you know kind of beings but in in asia and in thailand i'd say in, in particular girls are very very feminine in in the in the way they are so what happens is that lady boys in in an attempt to compensate for that they will try to act a lot more feminine walk a lot more feminine act a lot more feminine and they typically go way overboard so the question is like does she look like she's being too feminine is is the way she side to side too much you know does it kind of look like that uh i don't know is that marilyn monroe like strutting walk um that's what i'm kind of thinking of like uh where, where it's really magnified uh, and that kind of thing i think that's one of the easiest ways uh to pick it up and the reason like my friend um she's a lot better at it is because of another thing that is an aspect uh, easy to understand with ladyboys is that most of the ladyboys hang out with each other um because they haven't made friends with girls Right. The difference from my friend is that she she doesn't like hanging out with lady boys. She thinks they're a bit weird and over the top. 
Um, so she she's made she's got lots of girlfriends and she hangs out with girls all the time. And so she's she actually because of that she's learned to act like a real girl. You know she she hasn't over exaggerated. Whereas the lady boys they hang out in groups and they don't they don't learn how to act like real girls because they're not talking with real girls all the time. And they don't they probably don't talk to girls very often, so they they're not like picking up on all of that stuff. You know that's the easiest way for me to pick it up. And to add to that, I've noticed that the that lady boys. Especially the over-the-top ones, they flip their hair around a lot, mm-hmm. and they play yeah. they play with their hair. Have you guys noticed that? Yeah, yeah, I have noticed that. Yeah. And then there's there's a few um like pretty obvious ways to to check just by looking at them physically, like if they have wide wide shoulders or big hands, like they'll have man hands. A lot of them will have man hands or big feet. What do you think, Jackson? They they seem to have. Longer faces as well. A lot of them, from what I've noticed. Mm. Yeah, just, yeah. The thing that makes it tough for some of them is that a lot of Thai guys are quite small. Anyway, so when they become a lady boy, they can look convincing because they they've got that smaller frame of a guy. Yeah. It's not like a Western guy who who sticks on a dress and straight away you can tell it's a it's a guy. Mm. The ones that are quite small can be yeah, it, convincing. Um, in the way, they're more convincing because you don't expect. The Thai guy to be so small. That, that one time, uh, Saibo, uh, he was he was in Bangkok, and I think we were in Bed Supper Club, and there was this really cute Thai Thai girl. And of course, it's dark, um, but you know, I, I was convinced that it was a girl, so I said that one's fine, you know, because he, he was a little bit worried. And fortunately, it didn't work out at the end of the night. But I, I saw her a month later, and I was like, what? In, a, in the full light, and I was like, wow, that's that's a lady boy. Um, and we had no idea either of us, because, and I think it was because we assumed she was so tiny that there was no way that she could have been a lady boy, because mm. uh, you know. And then, so that's that's the thing that tripped me up. So I think the height is normally a giveaway, but you have to be careful. You might think that if uh, it's like a a lady boy is a guy that turned into a girl um, with surgery and he's wearing a dress, but um, actually a lot of a lot of them change like they make the change when they're really young i think we kind of talked about that but like if they're really young before they hit puberty or like just at the beginning of puberty and they start taking hormones their body is going to be shaped like a like a girl's body they're going to have curves they're going to have hips and a waist so um there's that kind of lady boy that actually has a woman's body and then there's a kind that started a bit later and and it does look like a man wearing a dress so yeah, yeah, like the I think the smaller ones that that you'll see that look really feminine, like maybe they just started when they're younger. Yeah, I think I think something else to you have to be a little bit aware of is like I have heard of situations where lady boys can get aggressive and a bit violent, and um, and this is the reason that my friend she stays away from lady boys because she sees them a bit like kind of psychotic. A lot of them, I just, they've just had more complicated lives if you think about it, and they've had mm-hmm. uh, they've had people judging them and, you know, you know, they've had more negative interactions. So they, some of them are fine, but some of them aren't. And so in general, she, she kind of thinks that most lady boys are a bit messed up. And one of the things, uh, so, you know, I have seen a situation where there was a, a lady boy, you know, basically kicking and punching a guy. And there was one situation where we were in gazebo and Kaosan. I can't remember who I, I think I was with uh, Charlie or maybe someone else. And there was uh, two, two tourist guys with two lady boys and they had no idea. We felt sorry for them, so we told them. And the lady boys were in the toilet, and the lady boys, like, they were so pissed at us. I thought they were going to come and, like, kick our asses, you know, and cause a lot of, uh, a lot of problems. So I think that's, like, one dimension you can, you can be aware of. And 
also that like they may not want other people to know that they're uh, ladyboys often often it is the uh, the thing and the final thing i'd say is like why my ladyboy friend thought they were a bit funky is like she says a lot of them are obsessed with sucking guys dicks so if, if if you're with a girl and she seems like she's 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 obsessed with sucking your dick and she's talking about it a lot, that would be a big red sign for me too. I don't know, man. I've had a lot of girls. You got me worried about that. Like, so Are you maybe, sure? Yeah, maybe they're ladyboys. But yeah, also like while we're in the topic of being in the bedroom, if you make it that far and you're still not sure if they really want it in the ass, right? And they, and they don't want it in the in the vagina. You know, maybe it's because they can't feel it as much in the vagina because it's not a real one. So, yeah, you'll you'll hear about that, too. I've, I've heard plenty of horror stories about that. Like, the guy brings home the girl. She wants it in the ass. And then, like, she turns around and he notices that there's a penis hanging there. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And actually, I know I know this also from my, my, some of my Thai girlfriends. I know that, right, in the, in the Thai club, boys, right, but they don't want to be known. That, they don't want anyone to know that they're lady boys And... They will go home with Thai guys and it's a bit of a risk for them because if the Thai guy isn't into ladyboys and a lot of Thai guys actually are into, they're kind of like trisexual or, you know, there's a lot of Thai guys, I don't know how you would say it, but they don't mind the whole uh, ladyboy thing and they actually think they're hot too. And I think it's because they've grown up in a country where that's acceptable, right? So um, they're like, yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting experience and I like that too or whatever. So they'll be the friend and then they'll maybe cheat with you know, lady, lady boys who tend not to have long-term relationships as often. They tend to be more kind of like one-night stands or, or fuck buddies. And that also goes on to, I'm just crossing topics here, but one of the reasons Jackson was saying that Thai girls tend, like some of them don't like Thai guys so much is because they have such a bad reputation for cheating. Like it's very, very common for uh, Thai husbands and cheat on their girlfriends. A lot of them have mistresses or they have girls on the side. And it seems like it's like a really strong aspect of their culture. And some Thai girls think that foreign guys are better, but obviously there's the, the, the foreign element, there's the gut, all the guys coming for uh, sex to Thailand and they give off that really negative, how would you call that, stereotype. So, but, but some Thai girls think there's two types of foreign guys, basically. There's, there's, there's the, sleaze, the sleaze guys who are only interested in paying for sex and then there's the, the Prince Charmings who come and they're wonderful and uh, they don't cheat all the time like the Thai guys. And I think there was a Durex survey was on affairs and... The, the country with the men that cheats the most is Korea, and Thailand was second, I think, in that survey. I mean, it's a survey. It's got a bias. Wow. But uh, I think that kind of – I mean, we, we've all spoken to Thai girls, and I know, Thai, I've, I know a few Thai guys as well, and it's in their mindset, right? Even taxi drivers will talk to you about this all the time. To you, hey, I've got two girls on the side. I have, this is my girlfriend. Like, he'd be texting, talking to his girlfriend, and my wife's at home, you know? So it's kind of a bit endemic in the culture, I think. That explains the jealousy, like – like, don't you guys think that Thai girls tend to be pretty jealous? I'd agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a that's a. I think that's uh, that's an understatement. Yeah, you can get basically you can get a lot of drama in relationships and jealousy. Yeah, um, I've I've never had so much drama before in my life until until I came here. It seems like there's a lot of drama here too. So, the, in a relationship, the way to handle that is to really emphasize trust from the day one. You know, you have to be really honest about the situation from day one, I think. And you also have to, whenever there's drama, you have to make sure that you deal with that and don't let it become a routine. One of the mistakes I made and it became a, a routine drama thing. Yeah, you, you don't want to get into that dynamic. Your life will become 
super negative. <laughs> like that was, that was, that was the actual, the relationship that taught me that I hated drama. Cause I used to think it was fun. You know, you have these feisty girls and you can you know, like banter with them. And you know, you got this girlfriend where you could play fighting all the time. And you know, and in a way it's, it's like, who's got the strongest character. Like you can have these kind of fights with them all the time. So I used to think that was kind of fun. And you know, I, I just kind of educational or whatever, interesting about life and, and uh, relationships. But I had one relationship in, in Thailand, which got so dramatic, which I decided I never wanted any drama in my life ever again. Yeah, I remember that one. So, you know, that's, that's uh, an aspect. And, you know, just, I think it's pretty clear, like we're discussing, like, you know, because of the culture and the way it is, it's kind of normal. I've heard the uh, stories about Thai girls cutting off um, guys' dicks because they cheated when they were sleeping. I think they're probably true, right? Yeah, I, I think they can be very emotional. And when something sets them off, that can come out in in ways like that where they don't really think about what they're doing. Like they'll just they'll just react, and I can I can definitely see how some girls would do that. I've I've been reluctant to have girls come back to my place because I'm worried that once they know where I live, what they might do if things turn bad. There's a couple of girls that I've uh, been seeing here a little bit that you know I, I can already start to get a sense that uh, it's going to be difficult to to end things with them because they're going to take it badly. And I'm thinking, how are they going to respond? Are they going to come over and try and fuck up my apartment? Are they going to steal, steal my shit? Are they going to, you know, stalk me? Like, who knows, who knows what they're going to do? So if you're considering a relationship with a girl over here long-term, I think it's a good idea to, to screen for these sorts of things early on when you, when you first meet them in a, having your first first few dates with them, just find out their, their past experiences. Mm. Like, have, have they been cheated on before? Have they ever got in any big arguments with guys over over things like cheating and, and jealousy, crazy things that they, that they may have done? You know, I've had girls tell me, they're like, yeah, I found out a guy cheated on me, so I, uh, I, I found out who his new girlfriend was and, and followed her back to her house and smashed up her car and... Mm-hmm. and just crazy sort of shit like that. So there's definitely some red flags to, to look for there. Yeah, yeah. It's Because it, it'll, it'll affect your life. It'll be very distracting as well if you have this kind of thing going on all the time. And it's not fun for the relationship. Anything else to say on this topic? I, I mm, think... Um, go ahead, go ahead, go well, ahead. One thing that, for, for me, like, I think it's important is to not continue on this cycle. I, the reason that a lot of girls have these issues is that, you know, either Thai guys have cheated on them or they've met a Western guy who they've seen as Prince Charming and the Western guy has, has cheated on them. So they've got it in their heads that that's probably going to happen again. So that's why they are very suspicious. Yeah. For me, I don't want to like make that worse. So I'm very so honest with girls. Like if, if I'm not wanting to have a serious relationship with them, I won't lead them on and, and let them think that that's going to happen because at, at the end of the day, it is going to hurt them and it's going to make them, them worse for the next person. Yeah, yeah. And That's, they also might take it out on you. They might, you know, once they find out that you're not serious and you've been lying to them, who knows, they might cut off your dick when you're, when you're asleep in bed and, hmm. it, you know, crazy things that happen. So I find in relationships, like, honesty is is the better way to go. And there's, there's so many girls here in Bangkok that, open to having a casual relationship if that's what you're looking for you don't need to lie to them you don't need right. to promise them something that you're not prepared to give them yeah you need to tell it like it is and coming from coming from like you know i've had a girlfriend 
for Thai girlfriend for a while now. And so I, I know a lot of her friends and I know, I kind of know what's going on in their lives as well. And sometimes they meet foreign guys and there's a stereotype, like, like I talked about the stereotypes of uh, foreign guys, but there's also like, you know, there's, there's the kind of sleazy guys who come just for sex and easy sex and paying for it or not. And there's a lot of guys who don't treat them honestly. It's because like they're kind of coward, cowards about it, right? So they'll come to Bangkok and they're, they're, their approach is they can, they just want to sleep with lots of girls, whether it's through online dating or or what or meeting the girls outside, right? They they don't have the guts to just like be straightforward with it. So there was one situation recently where you know the guy told the girl that he was going back to Paris because uh, his you know she was all worried about him. She's sending messages and he's not and he's not replying. And that kind of sets a red alarm, right, guys? Because we were talking about if someone disappears, then something's probably not right. And so I guess it, it works the other way as well. And it turns out that he was in Bangkok the whole time, but he was seeing another girl. You can imagine how hurt that girl is. And for the next foreign guy that she dates, she's going to be a lot more suspicious. So I think in, in foreign guys, a lot of them who are coming there are not setting up the situation well for other guys who come after them because they're doing this kind of stuff, which is really pathetic. Or So if you do come to Thailand, you know, just be straightforward because you can be straightforward. You'll make it better for everyone who comes after you as well as you know, the girl you're, you're actually meeting. Yeah, definitely. I just brought up online dating. Have you guys done... Uh, I was talking to Charlie about this the other day. Uh, when, when I first came to Bangkok, I was sick for the first couple of weeks. I was pretty much stuck in my hotel with nothing to do. So I was messing around a couple of online dating sites. So yeah, I had a bit of experience with that. I found it, it's very, very easy over here to meet girls from uh, online dating sites. The same way that when you when you go out at night, uh, the ratio is in your favor. There's a lot more girls than guys. I think there's a lot of girls on these sites who are looking to, to hook up with Western guys. So it's, it's not difficult for me. I just, I, I didn't really, uh, I couldn't be bothered making much of an effort sending out detailed messages. So I just come up with a couple of template emails to send out, just copy and paste and just sort of see what reply you get and pretty much Straight away, girls were like, where are you staying? How long are you here for? Let's meet up. There wasn't really any, any messing around. There wasn't a lot of email exchanges back and forth. They were pretty much straight to the point. Mm. Like, here's my phone number. Send me a message. I want to meet you for a drink this week. Some of the sites that I used was Plenty of Fish. Mm-hmm. I use that because I've used it before back in Australia. I think it's, it's maybe the, the biggest free online dating site in the world. I found that it's not as big here mm. in Thailand. Like there was, there was a number of girls using it, but it wasn't getting updated regularly. So it was just the same girls on it. But there was enough on there that I was able to to meet up with a number of girls from that. And the other one I used was Adult Friend Finder, which for guys who maybe haven't seen it before, it's just it's more of like a, a hookup site. So there's mainly girls on there who are just just looking for fun. So you can go on there, send a message, and you know, girls were like, yeah, where, where do you live? I want to come over to your apartment and, and see you tonight. And it's pretty much straight to the point. I don't have any experience with using the more Thai sites like Thai Love Links, the other one, ThaiFriendly.com, I think is a big one. Do you guys have experience using those? Angel, is a Thai, Thai Love Links, that's like the most popular one, is that right? Thai, Thai Love Links is the biggest one by far. Like they have more members... And then uh, I know Thai Friendly is uh, getting more and more popular, I think. So that might be the second biggest one. Yeah, um, I've used Thai Friendly in the past for, for the, like, 
I guess for like a year or two, like I stopped going out to clubs and I was working more and it was just more convenient for me to, to meet girls online. So I was using Pat Friendly. Um, and I think maybe there's a higher percentage of young girls on there, like not super young, but you know, like early twenties and, um, maybe Ty Love Links might have a slightly higher percentage of maybe like older girls, not like old, but you know, maybe like mid twenties, high twenties or early thirties. Um, yeah. And that's where I met my, my current girlfriend was on Ty Friendly. But I found, I found that like I was spending a lot of time building rapport, um, like chatting with instant messenger and it got to be pretty time consuming. So I, yeah, I don't know. We must've been doing it a bit differently, Jackson, but yeah, I found it. Yeah, I, was, I, was, you, I think you've been using different sites necessarily compare them like for like. Oh, yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't used that site. And I also think that how you're talking about the younger women, I think in general, the younger women are probably going to require a bit more comfort first before they're willing to meet up with you if they, if they haven't got the same experience of going out with, with Western guys or, or doing online dating. So they, they probably need a bit more persuasion before they're willing to meet up with you, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that they they want to be careful too. Like they don't want to meet some freak on the internet, but I have had girls um, online that like wanted to meet up pretty quickly too. And I was, I was pretty surprised that they were so trusting. Well, for, for, for me, the only thing I ever did was I'm not, I'm not really into m- online dating at all. Uh, my, my personal take is in it. It's just easier and know exactly what I'm getting straight away when I meet her. So if it's worth investing more time, whereas in online dating, I feel like I have to put more effort in and then the pictures aren't exactly reflective and I don't really get to know her. I don't see her sub communication. I don't see so many things about her that I normally pick up when I'm seeing someone straight you know, in front of me. So just because I don't like to waste a lot of time, I don't like, you know, I, I don't normally put anything into online dating. However, I did do one experiment when I was in Thailand, which was with Match.com. I told him a few types of girls I liked, like the kind of uh, the quality I was looking for. And I just told him to contact lots of them and ask them to go on a date with me. And uh, that's, that's kind of like a Tim Ferriss experiment. Like Tim Ferriss did that one, outsource your dating life. So I was just seeing if that would work for me. And for me, the quality of girls was like, they came back and they gave me a list of girls who were, who, you know, who they contacted in, in, in a dating schedule. And it was only one I was, could be bothered to actually meet. And I was disappointed when I met her. So, you know, for me, I just felt like it was a big waste of time. Yeah, well, not, not a waste of your time, a waste of your guy's time. Well, I did have to go to one, I did have to go to one date. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I did have to think about it for a while. Like I had to, like, I had to do my profile. And I had, to yeah. tell him, I had to tell him what things to, he could do and not do. So there was a bit of supervision kind of or like process time or whatever you want to call it. So for me, I just felt, again, I was disappointed in um, online dating. However, it has to be said that Match.com is, uh, not, doesn't have anywhere near as members as Thai Love Links and, or Thai Friendly. So it could have been just that I didn't have enough pool, you know, the, the number of girls in there wasn't enough for me to get enough quality quality leads if you want to call them <laughs> that's a very business-like way of saying it oh well i had a business education <laughs> well and, and speaking of quality um i think you'll find like very few hookers on on these on these sites like most of the girls are mm. students or they're working and if you're if you're scared of um like not knowing if it's a hooker or whatever like if that whole thing frightens you then then uh, you might want to give online dating here a shot yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So 
But I think that's kind of the online dating thing. The other thing in Bangkok and Thailand, that, you know, basically like I, I, I've met foreign women that I actually liked, you know, interesting women in Soy 11 mostly, the parties and events around there, the kind of the expat world like vibe. And uh, sometimes at conferences or events, I met some interesting foreign women. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there are there are foreign women, and and there are interesting women to me personally. Um, I haven't. It's like a, like the Asian girls, but yeah, a lot, a lot of guys go to these um, Western clubs and they they meet foreign women. Um, one of our buddies, a common friend of ours, Angel, he he really liked going to Kalsan Road to meet backpacker girls, mm. um, foreign like Western backpackers. Yeah, I remember that. I went along and you many times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I met some interesting girls there too. Like, uh, you know, because like I say, I think Thailand just uh, attracts interesting people as well. You know, definitely Khao San is, uh, especially, but the, the problem with Khao San, of course, is that they're generally backpackers who are there for two weeks. So if you're interested in a relationship, it's not, it's probably not the place you want to go, but you could have a lot of fun meeting people who are up for adventures and fun, like uh, Jackson was saying earlier. Yeah, I've met a number of girls there and... That's probably the biggest problem is they're only there for a short amount of time. Uh, last time I was there with some friends, we were talking to some girls and said, you know, how long are you here for? Like, oh, we're leaving tomorrow, we're catching a flight. And this is something that comes up pretty often is you meet a girl and she might be there for a day or two and you're just catching her at the end of her, end of her holiday, she's moving somewhere else. You, you don't have a lot of time to spend with them and even if you're just looking for you know, a one-night stand or a fling or something, even then you don't have a lot of time to make it happen. So that, that's the downside with Kosan Road. I guess with Sukhumvit area and Soy 11, a lot of the girls who are in the clubs around there, they're, they're here long-term. Uh, I've met a number of girls there working here as English teachers, high school teachers. Uh, they've got some kind, some kind of job doing whatever. So they're here long-term and I'm, I'm dating a English girl at the moment, just kind of casually who's here as a teacher. So a lot of the girls that you find in, in clubs here are here for longer term. So if you're looking for something uh, more steady, that might be a better bet for you. Excellent. Okay, I thought what we'd do... Actually, since we're talking about backpackers quickly, but what about like Kosanwi, Kopipi, Kopanyan? I think people have heard about like Full Moon Party and the other islands. Uh, just, just quickly, I know that... And then Patea and Phuket... Phuket I know that uh, one of my friends, uh, he used to be a pickup artist. He goes to Kopipi all the time because he loves Swedish girls. And there's more Swedish girls on Kopipi than any other place in the world. Partying for uh, two weeks. So he actually goes there for like basically, you know, two weeks a month sometimes. He gets stuck there. You know, it is, it is kind of strange. It's like, I think all Swedish girls and, and maybe a lot of uh, Scandinavians in general have figured out that Kopipi is, uh, you know, a place that they all like to go and party and so it it just has tons and tons of people partying every night of the, of the week so if you're in you want to go and party somewhere that and you're in you like scandinavian girls there's lots there um there are some other countries but it, it's really you know lots of scandinavian girls there i've, I've never been to the full moon party in Copenhagen, so i can't talk about that i've been to other islands that are quieter like Gotao, and it's more for just for relaxation yeah i haven't been to the full moon parties either next year when it's more of the dry season that's one of the things that you might want to do as well if you're planning on coming to Thailand is do some research on rainy season and, and dry season. If you're just coming here for a short holiday, like around this time of year, I think it's what is it, between August and November, December is generally rainy season. Dry, dry season is more in, in the new year onwards. Is that right? Charlie? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's so I funny. Should, I should know that, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I should know that too, but... 
I, th- yeah. I think it's raining. It rains a lot around October, November because the floods yeah. come in October. Isn't it October till December or January? I, I get different girls telling me different things. Some of them tell me it's like August to November. Some <laughs> yeah. say it goes on up till December. I don't think they really know. It just sort of varies. But the point <laughs> from I guess from September to the end of the year is pretty much there's a lot of rain here. Yeah, that's what but I just say. There's a lot of rain in Thailand. Yeah. If you're wanting to go to the islands and go to the beaches and party, uh, your best bet is to go during the dry season, and that's what I plan to do next year and do a tour around some of the islands. If you're looking to go to the full moon parties, Copenhagen is definitely the place to go. From what I have heard from some of the girls who have been there, there's a lot of Western guys. One girl was telling me that the full moon party was 70 to 70% to 80% West Western guys. Yeah, I've heard the same. I've heard, to, to put it in Charlie's words, it's a bit of a shitstorm. It's a bit of a mess. And there's, yeah. there's yeah. way too many guys. If you're into the drug scene, maybe it's, yeah. it's better. Um, but I think that's why people go there. Charlie, do you know, have you been before or you know anything about it? Uh, yeah, I went like 10 years ago when I was backpacking. So I imagine it's quite different and I don't really remember. So no, not really. <laughs> it was a bit of a drug shitstorm. So <laughs> the, uh, since we're all kind of on that subject, like, like quickly, there's a few kind of major events you might be one, uh, aware of like, that I really like is Songkran, which is New Year in Thailand, which is basically it's an excuse to run around with a huge water gun for a week, I think it is. Yeah, no, I think it's five days. Uh, yeah, five yeah. days. Yeah, crazy. Five days, and it's a lot of fun. It's a great, it's a great time of the year to go because it's all the clubs are open. All of the clubs have like lots of people running around with these. You, you know, you buy these water pistols and you run around. So it's a lot of fun. It's maybe not the best time to you know if you're looking to pick up girls and meet girls because everyone's kind of having so much fun in their groups that uh, it's maybe not that. But you know, it might work out too. But it's definitely uh, you know a really fun time, and it was one of the things I look forward to every year. Yeah, definitely. So basically, like five days, the whole country turns into a giant water fight. And like Angel said, there's uh, water guns and buckets. Like people get buckets and hoses. Everybody's just soaked, and it's a, it's a huge shit show. Yeah, and everybody's got this like powder. Like what, what is it, talcum powder or something? And they smeared all over your face yeah so and i think the whole thing started because it, it was it's like a buddhist thing um it started off with monks would bless you by pouring a little bit of water on your head or something mm. like that mm. Mm. and then it just got carried away and um now it's like this huge countrywide shit show it's really fun um if you are planning to come to thailand and you're flexible with your dates um i yeah i'd say try to come in April because that's that's when it is yeah the other one is uh, Loi Greton which I, I bring that up because it caught me out one time it's kind of like a Valentine's Day but you know they have the Valentine's Day and then they have Loi Greton and they put they put these little uh, boats kind of like floating flowers and stuff in, in the rivers but it's it's an important couples thing you're supposed to do this together so it, it's a bit like Valentine's Day so it you know Basically, if you're in a relationship, it's something you should do together and to be aware of that. Otherwise, you may, it may cause a little bit of drama, like as if you weren't going to do anything for Valentine's Day, basically. There's, a, there's two other topics I thought we should cover, which is kind of like the darker side, the go-go bars and all of this, and, and kind of sa- a few safety topics uh, just around there, things to maybe avoid, like how to approach things in Thai clubs. Um, yeah, okay, like as far as safety goes, if, if you come to Thailand, you might want to check
check out the go-go bars. Basically, it's just like uh, you go in there, there's a bunch of girls dancing, and they all have numbers like on their bikini or whatever, and you can call them over and, and you pay the bar if you want to take them home. And there's there's also this thing called ping pong shows, uh, and you probably heard of that before. And it's kind of it's kind of like like there's a naked girl on the stage and she pops a ping pong ball in in her vagina and just like shoots it out. And they do all kinds of tricks. Like they put I don't like they put darts in there and they pop darts out and they shoot balloons with darts. They blow flute. But it's, yeah, they blow <laughs> this flute thing and they ask you. It's got like it's well, it's kind of like a piano thing, but. You, you can blow it, dark. so you can tap on the keys to play different notes, and uh, she actually asks you to come up and start typing on the piano thing while she's doing that, which is disgusting. Oh, wow. And did you do that? I definitely did not. I was like, uh, that guy, ask that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's one place I went to, like, every time somebody from out of town comes to Bangkok, they want to go to these places, yeah. and, and so, like, I took my friend's to this one where there's there's a there's a live sex show, and I I, I didn't want to see it like I, I got really uncomfortable and I just got up and left before it stopped I mean before yeah. it started right but um a word a word of caution guys if if you want to see some of these shows there's like a lot of problems with foreigners getting ripped off at at these ping pong shows like though mm. like some guy will heckle you on the street and he'll like invite you in to see a ping pong show. And you might be like, oh, yeah, cool, I want to see one of these. And then you go inside and then they don't let you leave. Like they don't tell you there's a cover charge and then they kind of trap you inside and they don't let you leave till you pay some ridiculous amount of money. And that amount of money can just be whatever they think that you have. Yeah. And and if you don't pay it, then they'll beat you up. I've, I've heard people say, like, don't go to any ping pong shows that, that are well, I think that they're upstairs. Like, I guess the ones that are upstairs tend to be um, the shady ones. But, you know, I guess they're all shady. Hmm. But they tend to be the ones that are more shady. So, yeah, just be real careful if you go to those shows. Watch your back. Yeah, and those are mostly in Patapong. That's that's the area where most of those things... And, and in Patapong in general, I think you have to be a lot more careful. It tends to be where a lot of tourists go and where they get ripped off. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll often do things like they'll, they'll say, come into the club, there's no cover charge. But then the prices of their drinks are hugely inflated. Like even if you just want to buy a Coke, a girl was telling me, Australian girl, she went in there, they tried to charge her 500 baht for a little can of Coke, which you can buy for 30 baht in the 7-Eleven. Uh, if that, probably 20 baht. So they'll, they'll give you the bill at the end. They might not tell you what the prices are when you're buying it because you think that it's just regular bar prices. And next thing you know, you've got like a three, 4,000 baht bill right. after you've had a few beers. And they're not going to let you leave until you pay it. So always ask them what the prices are before you buy a drink. Yeah, and the other thing to say about those ping pong shows is that if, you, if you're expecting, you know, young hot girls to be in there, you're going to be very, very disappointed because what happens is the go-go girls... <laughs> what, what happens to go-go girls when they're 40, 50 years old? I mean, if they didn't manage to get providers they go, and stuff... They go to the ping pong shows. They go to the ping pong shows. So you've got, you know, you're looking at ex... Basically, a lot of ex-prostitutes who are very old and, and they're doing strange things with their vaginas. And for me, it wasn't something I wanted to do, but one of my friends, you know, as, as uh, Charlie said, a lot of your friends, when they come into town, they want to do it. One time, you're going to get dragged there for sure and I actually got us all to leave halfway through as well. It's just like, this is retarded, you know, it's not, it's not fun. And these guys look like they're going to strong to town. They want to, you know, if, if we stay longer and we buy more drinks and stuff. So 
just be aware of that thing. What other dangers? There's so there's a lot. I think there's some other kinds of pad pong scams, but I don't really know the details of them. I have heard of this is kind of through the grapevine, but for people who've lived in Bangkok for a long time, is like if you do go to a go-go bar, it's probably better to go, with, you know, with a friend if you're gonna ask start asking girls to come home home with you. Or have heard like and then to be careful how much you drink. You don't want to get inebriated to the point where you don't know what's going on in one of those bars because you have to realize it's kind of like the dark side of Bangkok. There's, there could be negative elements, especially in Padpong, I think, but also the other two places are Soy Nana and uh, Soy Cowboy along Sukhumvit. And so one of the stories I've heard is, uh, you know, one of the guys there was for a while, I got really drunk one night. Gogo bars in Soy Cowboy, where he usually goes, but he was particularly drunk. He must, he doesn't remember, but he must have taken one of the girls paid for her and took her back but they he thinks they put a roofie in his his drink in the bar which is easier to do if you're very drunk and he ended up back at home he kind of woke up and he was kind of beaten up in his uh, place back home and everything was gone and uh so that's that's kind of one story another negative story he was there for a while in bangkok and he was he was actually living there with his boss and his boss was getting hookers back every night different ones and he had a safe in the room and he was paying the hookers from this safe. So the hookers were seeing where he had his money, basically. And, you know, one night when our friend and his boss, actually his boss was out. And so our friend was home, two guys came to the front door, broke him on the safe and took all the money and stuff. So he got beaten up out of that. And, you know, he hadn't been involved in that. It was unfortunate for him because, you know, he hadn't been involved in that element uh, at all but you know because he was living with a guy who was involved in that he got in that situation so it kind of goes like you know obviously you have to be if you do get into that side of bangkok you have to be super careful about what you're doing because you are getting involved in the darker side the the less legal side of of, of the bangkok world yeah for me personally yeah. i wouldn't go to those places with the intention of getting drunk simply yeah. because the more you have to drink the more you set yourself up as a target so if, if I'm wanting to go out and have a lot to drink, talk to some girls, I'm going to do it more in the reputable nightclubs like in, in Soy 11 and some of the more upmarket places where I know that they're not going to slip drugs into my drinks. If I'm going to like Pat Pong and ordering a bunch of drinks, what I would want to do is go to the bar, order a beer, see them actually open the bottle take it from them, not have the drinks brought to my table where who knows what they put in it. Yep. You might think that it's, you know, being overly cautious, but I, I've heard all sorts of stories from people about getting getting robbed, getting beat up, people slipping stuff in their drinks. Like, it's, it's not worth the risk if you go to these places. So I think it's okay if you go there, have, you know, have two or three drinks, have a good time. But if you're going to go there and get absolutely smashed, then you're just asking for trouble, in my opinion. Certainly. What do, what do you think about it, Charlie? Well, I've, I've had a lot of fun at those places. Like, for for a while there, I was going to those places a lot. Some of my friends liked to get hookers, and so we'd, we'd go to those places, and my friends would pick up, like, a girl, and I would try to get the girls for free. And you can do it, too. It's, it's kind of hard, but, yeah. And I... Like, I, I don't want everybody to get all scared about going to go-go bars because you can have a lot of fun there. Like, I got drunk a lot. Nothing bad ever happened to me. Just keep keep your head on your shoulders. Don't, like uh, both these guys said, don't get too don't get too drunk. And, yeah, just don't do anything stupid. And don't be obnoxious. Don't be, like, the loud, drunk idiot who's groping all the girls because they're probably more likely to put a roofie in your drink if you're that guy. 
then if you're the polite guy who like says please and thank you. So yeah, like don't be an idiot and keep your head on your shoulders. Yeah, and I mean that that's a really important point. We talked about the culture in in Thailand earlier, which is not kind of non non judgmental, accepting, and you know very polite. So if you come in and you're very obnoxious, you're shouting, you know, and you're just be, being arrogant, and you're looking down on on the Thai. The Thai people, the Thai guys, and the Thai Thai women, which you, and unfortunately, you see a lot of foreigners that come to Thailand, especially around the go-go bars and stuff. You see a lot of these guys acting like this, and you could understand how it would get on the Thai people's nerves, right? Even though they are pretty accepting and stuff, there's a point. So, what I want to bring up here is that you know, I've 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 seen myself um, in my last year in Bangkok, where there's like a a bunch of Thai guys who will jump on you. Right, and 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 something that people say is like never fight with a Thai guy, and and one of the, one of the reasons is that that they don't have limits. I think that's the way to put it. Is like, whereas like we don't want to damage people too much. Like we're not going to smash a glass and shove it in his face and cut his throat. And I've seen I've seen more guys Thai, you know, a more Thai guy where a guy smashed a glass, shoved it in the guy's no, like throat over some small you know small argument, and it just escalated into something which was. It just seemed really extreme, but it's kind of something that you hear about a lot in Thailand. Uh, in my situation, and I think this is, you know, it's 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 an unfortunate aspect. But I was in Route 66 in uh, RCA, which there are a fair number of foreigners there. I was in a group, a Thai group, with my girlfriend, her friends, and everything. Uh, a big Thai guy was really drunk, and he was near us. He felt that one of the foreigners in the group, there was a couple of foreign guys, was being obnoxious or arrogant to him. I I think that. The guy hadn't really seen him, but what happens is that the Thai guy has felt this sometime before from some other foreigner who's come, and there's many of them that act like you know foreigners that act like this. So unfortunately, even if you're being nice, a Thai guy who's been you know around foreign guys who's been who've been assholes to him in the, in the past, you know he's going to be thinking of you that way no matter what. He used a small like you know the guy pushed past him or something or trying to get to our table, and he picked up a few glasses and started throwing them at everyone. Uh, one guy got shards all through his face, all the side of his face. I held the guy from from behind, was trying to pull him back from some other guys. He was a really big guy, and he was like plowing into people. And then, and then you see the other element, which is that you know I had my back to the club, and I wasn't thinking that I was going to get attacked by random people. But the the club was full of Thai people, and if they see a white guy holding a Thai guy, what do you think is going to happen? Especially with this kind of element I've just been talking about. And so I started getting bottled and hit from like every direction, and I just had to get out of the club as quickly as possible to, you know, just kind of prevent myself from ending up in hospital. And we all ended up in like hospital with various degrees of harm that night. But I've heard of much much worse situations where a guy has been arrogant. Thai guys have left him, but they've followed him later, and they've got him later. And it's not going to be one on one. It'll be like four guys against one. They, you know, they don't have the same rules. So that's something to be aware of. And it's another reason, like even if you don't want to be respectful, like for your own safety, be respectful. Be, you know, be nice to people and, and treat them how you would want to be treated. Because um, there is that element as well. What do you guys think of that? Have you? Yeah, across? there you go. Yeah, definitely. I guess you know, don't, don't give people a reason. To- to want to kick your ass if you if you're respectful to people and, and treat them nicely i don't think anything's likely to happen you should be fine yeah yeah and it's not like it's super dangerous here um like every place has its dangers you know like i like back home i've been jumped on the street many times hmm. and like, i feel more safe in thailand i've never been jumped here hmm. and i've been like drunk walking in the middle of nowhere like so many times 
generally I feel pretty safe in Thailand, but like Angel said, in like at a nightclub in a setting like that, yeah, just don't be an idiot and and uh, be just be a little more careful about what you're doing and and don't be like the obnoxious drunk foreigner guy. So another aspect is uh, police in Thailand. When you're in a taxi going home, you often get stopped by police. They have these uh, junctions where they stop you, and this is this everyone's been through this a lot actually. But it depends on which routes you're taking. Like my home used to be on somewhere around Sukhumvit, uh, sorry, eleven. So when I was getting a taxi home, I'd always get stru- stopped, and they're looking for drugs. So they're gonna they're gonna search you. You know, obviously there's no problem if you don't have any drugs. But I have heard of people, you know, who had cocaine or getting into serious trouble. Pretty scary. I'm sure you've heard like you know the the issues with the legality, the illegality of drugs in Thailand and how serious it can get. So that's just something uh, to be aware of. And you know, I think it's it's drugs are a bigger risk in Thailand than in other places because of it. Anything to add, guys, on it? Oh yeah, like okay, near Nars, we're talking about Narcissist Club. I used to go to that club a lot and, and like walking home, I didn't walk home, but like I walked to some, like the Seven Eleven that was near there. Mm-hmm. Every time, like there's a few months where every time I was walking down that road, I got stopped by cops and it wasn't, a, it wasn't on the street. Like it was on the sidewalk and cops would just up, would come up to me and they'd search me for drugs. They'd ask me questions and you, you know that they're looking for cocaine or something. And if they find cocaine, then they're going to take you to like, I don't know, some room or like a station or something. They're going to put you in a room. They're going to try to get you to bribe them, um, pay them off. So like you don't get thrown in jail and like, they're not trying to throw you in jail. They will, but they'll, they're, what they really want is a bribe. So if you get in a situation like that, then just remember, um, you can probably bribe the cop. Like, like, like one time I was driving home from the bar with, this um, girl I, I was dating, she, it was her car. She was driving and she was pretty drunk and we got pulled over three times on, on the way back. I don't know what was going on that night, but there was three roadblocks and we got stopped each time and she had to pay the cops each time. And, and another time a friend of mine got caught with, with drugs and yeah, he had to, he had to pay the cops off. Like they held him for a few hours and eventually he, he like they took him to an ATM machine and he pulled out, I think he paid like 500 bucks or something like that. And yeah, that's, that's all I got. Jackson, do you have anything to say on that? I got stopped by the cops a few weeks ago. I was around Soy Cowboy area. I, was, I wasn't even out drinking. I was just out getting some food. And around that area, Soy Cowboy, there's a lot of foreigners, a lot of people partying. So the cops know that there's a chance they're going to find people with drugs there. So I was walking along the street and the cop pulled up on his motorcycle, pulled me inside, asked to see my passport which I didn't have, so he's checking my driver's license. And then it was, you know, em- empty your pockets, take off your hat, uh, pull out your wallet, search the wallet. One one thing you want to be careful of, um, like Charlie was saying, that they're, they're looking for drugs. When they go into your wallet, just check their hands beforehand because I have heard stories about mm-hmm. them planting drugs on you so that they can bribe you. So if they're putting their hands in your pockets, make sure their hands are open when they're putting them in and you can see they haven't got anything. Make sure they're not putting anything into your wallet when they're searching it. One of the first things that the, the cop did when he was looking at my wallet was pull out all my money and count how much money I had. So because I've heard, heard stories, I sort of try not to take too much uh, money out with me, so I try and keep a minimal amount of cash on me that I need. I think if a cop pulls you over and he sees that you've got 10,000, 20,000 baht in your wallet, he's much more likely to try and plant drugs on you, try and try and 
arrest you so they can bribe you because you can see how much money you've got on you. With me, if I've got like 500 baht on me, which is like less than 20 bucks, there, there's not really a big payoff for him unless he can take me to an ATM and, you know, at that point it's probably not really worth his time. So if you're going out in certain areas, like the big touristy areas, definitely don't even think about taking drugs on you. It's not worth it. And, and just be careful. If you do get pulled over, ideally, if you're with a friend, have them watch as well just to verify yeah. and, and just, just, you know, just say to them, it might sound rude, but say, oh, can I, can I see your hands? I want to see you have nothing in your hands. And, you know, you should be fine. Nothing happened with me, but it was like a 10-minute thing. He was very thorough. He was searching every every little place that he did look for a tiny little, a tiny little package of drugs. You know, if, if you don't have anything, you should be fine. But if you are going out taking drugs with you, then you're asking for trouble. Well, so... I've, you know, I've always been careful about making sure they're not putting anything in my wallet as well. I haven't heard of a specific story where that's happened to someone. It's, it's very possible given the level of corruption. I was talking to a guy here. He's a, uh, his parents are diplomats and he spent a bit of time here. And he, he knows quite a few police officers. And he's, he told me firsthand that it's, it happens fairly regularly around Sukhumvit area. So just keep that in mind when you're going out. Excellent. All right. Sexually transmitted diseases. In, in Bangkok. And I bring this up because I've had conversations with guys in Bangkok where, you know, they've caught gonorrhea like eight times or something, which is like, oh, yeah. which is like, you're just like facepalm, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I like, I, I got, I got that once when like just the condom broke for just a second and I pulled it out and, and that was it. Like I just, I think I washed it off and I put on another condom. But then, yeah, a few days later, um, I had to go to the hospital and, and take antibiotics. Right, right. So we were talking about, like, I, I guess each of us has a different approach to this. So, like, uh, you guys, Charlie, do you want to go first? What do, what do you think of the STD situation? What precautions do you take? You know, what are you concerned about or not concerned about? Like, just kind of a, an overview. Um, well, you should definitely be more careful in this country than, well, you should always be careful. I know in Cambodia, like, I, I read that 30... I think 30% of the the working girls, like the, the girls that work in bars in Cambodia, they 30% have HIV and Thailand is a lot better. Like they, like there's active education about, about that. Like they teach kids about it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that there, there's a higher percentage here, especially if you're going to like sleazy clubs or, you know, clubs with girls with questionable morality. You want to be super careful with that. You might want to even avoid avoid girls like that just for that reason. And of course, wear a condom every time. I know you. Uh, I know you have one story from a girl you knew in uh, one of the bars uh, relating oh, to yeah. HIV. Yeah, that she. Yeah, I think the the girl I knew. She she wasn't even a prostitute. I, I met her online, I, I, and she was telling me about her friend who got HIV, and then. She was still going out and, and going to clubs and taking uh, going home with guys. And she would wear condoms, or I guess the guy would wear condoms, but like if a guy didn't want to wear a condom, she would just say, oh, okay, no problem. And so, you know, like that girl, she probably, she probably gave HIV to, to more than one guy. 
And um, that's just, that's really scary to think about. And that's just one good reason to be super careful here. Yeah. And I, I think, I think the situation was she was working in one of the GoGo bars in, in Nana Plaza or whatever, and they have some kind of screens every, is it for every three months or something? Oh, that's, uh, Angel, that's another story. Oh, okay. okay. And, and it's, it's, it's the same story, just a different person. So, okay. um, there, there you go. There's two stories. Yeah. Except, okay. Except that girl was working in a GoGo bar. And, and like she was going home with customers all the time. So I, I don't know if she was protecting, like she, if she was using protection or not, but Jesus yeah. Christ, man, like she's, she's working in the sex industry. She has HIV. She knows it. Mm. And she's fucking a lot of guys. And yeah, that's really risky. Yeah. There's, there's an interesting dimension there is because like, I, I know that the go-go bars and, and the whole HIV AIDS situation, was it in the nineties? Cause it was getting out of hand. And they, so they put these controls in for the go-go bars where they have to get these tests every three months or something. So what happens is a girl will get kicked out of her only source of income. So when, when the girl basically gets kicked out of the go-go bar because she's failed one of these tests, um, that's been very effective for managing better the AIDS situation, the HIV situation. However, now like she's lost her source of income. And I think what happens to those girls is that they become freelancers in the beer gardens and stuff because they can't go through that kind of regulated, the, the go-go bars are a bit more regulated, then they go to the beer bars and they go more freelance, right? So you'll find them in the after-hours clubs, I guess. So I, I think there's probably a much higher risk in some sense from, like if there are hookers in those kind of bars, if you, if you meet them, there's probably a higher STD risk with the, the freelancers or the, girl, the girls you meet outside of the go-go bars. I don't know, like I'm... I'm extremely STD avoidant. I avoid them like the plague. I'm very careful. Like I know situations where I've heard that guys don't use condoms in Thailand and I think they're asking to die basically. And I've even heard of some of them brag about how they will sleep with hookers and they'll ask them not to use condoms and stuff, which, you know, just seems pretty insane to me. But, you know, so this is, of course, condom is like important, but there are some things you can catch even with condoms, right? Like Charlie gave the example of gonorrhea uh, is, I think even if the condom doesn't break, sometimes you can catch that because it's a bacterial bacterial one. And uh, if you get a bit on you, um, it's, it's easier to catch than a, than a virus like HIV, for example. So, and also, there's also blowjobs. Like some guys don't realize that you get that kind of thing straight off blowjobs as well as herpes and stuff like that. And so... And then there's just the, the gray area factor. Like, so Charlie gave an example where he was basically in a relationship, a trusted relationship for six months with a girlfriend. And, you know, I don't know whether he was using condom or not, but once you've been in a, in a relationship for six months, you may stop using a condom, right? Because you're in a relationship. And in Thailand, you just got to be aware that, you know, you got to be careful about that. You know, she hasn't got that type of background because then you could be exposing yourself to a risk that uh, you're not aware of. So. As I said, I'm pretty extreme about this stuff. So any girlfriend, like for, 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 for a long time, I just said condoms, forget it, even if she's a girlfriend or whatever. I got into a more serious relationship about two years ago. So I went down to the hospital with her and we both got our STD tests. And that's not an easy thing to bring up with a Thai girl either because they're not used to STD tests like we are in the West. So it's, it's a tough subject. It's like, what do you think I have something? And it's not something that's spoken about easily, especially with the more traditional girls, I think. So, you know, that was actually a pretty tough question, uh, conversation. And she actually went and told her mom about it. And her mom got angry at me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, because um, she was pretty surprised about it. And I was very, very careful. I did it slowly over a period of weeks. I talked about the way I thought about that stuff way before I even talked about her getting the test. 
you know, so she'd already got used to the idea that because I am interested in my health and I, I'm 100%, you know, I want to be 100% healthy or whatever. So, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a touchy subject and you've got to be careful with it. But, you know, it's something that I feel is necessary and that's the way I handle it. Jackson, you got any thoughts to add? Yeah, I think just, you know, always assume responsibility for everything that happens when you're sleeping with a girl. So I always think that it's up to me to make sure that I'm wearing a condom. I don't rely on the girl because one thing that I've found over the last few years is a lot of girls won't insist on you wearing condoms. In a lot of cases, they'll actually try to persuade you not to wear one for whatever reason. Like they might say it feels better for them or, you know, whatever reason. Or they'll say just, oh, we, we can have some fun first and then you can put it on after. It's kind of scary when you think the lengths that they'll go to to get you to avoid wearing a condom and then you think how many other guys have they done this with. And I know that most guys, if given the chance, probably won't wear the condom. So, you know, the girl might have had sex with 20 guys in the last year for, you know, and 15 of those guys haven't worn condoms. So she could have all sorts of diseases. So it's always best to wear one. You know, even if you see the girls, you think she's very innocent and she's probably hasn't got anything. You might be tempted. I'll be fine just this one time, but, you know, it only takes the one time to catch something. Right. There was this one girl that I hooked up with uh, back in Australia shortly before I came over here. And she said to me that, she was, she was quite insistent about it beforehand. She's like, oh, if you've got a condom, you know, you need to wear a condom. I was like, yeah, I always wear one. But she said that girls, girls, they, they reach a certain point as well once they start getting turned on where their mind sort of shuts down and they don't think logically. I think as, as guys, they, she said there's a point of no return for girls where they don't care if you're, if you're wearing a condom. They, they, they just want to get fucked. So if you haven't got a condom on, they're just, they're just going to have sex with you either way. So... If you don't have one on you, if you're not prepared, if you don't have one in your pocket, next to your bed, wherever you happen to be, it's very easy to get caught up in the moment and you just think, oh, fuck it, I'll be fine, I'm not going to worry about it. With the with the lifestyle over here in Thailand, the amount, the amount of guys who come over, sleep with girls, lots of different girls, and pass things on without the girls even knowing, mm. that there's, a, there's a huge chance that you can catch something. I think there's, I've, I've heard there's maybe a million people in in Thailand, they've got HIV, so out of, I think, 60 million people live here, so you're like, one in 60 people have got HIV. I don't like those odds, so I'm not going to take any chances, plus herpes, gonorrhea, chlamydia, all the other things that are going around. Just, yeah, don't take any chances. Yeah, so I just, like, we were talking about the cheating, the, the Thai men, the, you know, they've they got this whole culture of cheating there, and I think that makes it even more dangerous, because what happens is you've got this, you know, Thai girl that could be very innocent, and, you know, she, she hasn't slept around or anything. Maybe she just had one or two Thai boyfriends, for example. However, so she's not, you know, she's taking a pill or something. She's not using condom. But that Thai guy could very well be cheating. And a lot of the Thai guys also go to the go-go bars. Well, they go to their Thai versions of them, right? So there's that kind of, like, dynamic going on in Thailand uh, where there's, you know, there's a lot of cheating. There's a lot of use of sex services because um, in Thai guy society, it's more acceptable to use uh, the sex services as well. So a lot of Thai guys are using those services and, uh, you know, so there's, there's just that potential there. Mm, definitely. All right. Does anyone want to say anything about Pattaya or Phuket? Pattaya is a very uh, sleazy kind of place. Like, so all the places that we've been talking about so far are probably the sleaziest place that we've mentioned. Maybe like Patapong, Soy Cowboy, Nana Plaza. Like, Pattaya is probably 10 times as sleazy as any of those places. If you go out around the centre, around Walking Street... It's just all go-go bars, prostitutes up and down the street everywhere. It's basically 
if you go to Batea, it's assumed that you're going there for a sex holiday. Last time I was there with my friend, we actually met these girls in Phuket and told them that we were going to Bangkok after we left Phuket. And one of the girls phoned my friend and somehow she found out where we were staying and she's like, what are you guys doing in, in Phuket? You're there to, to fuck prostitutes and, and sleep with all, all these bar girls. And we were actually there just to check it out. We didn't know much about it. We'd heard that it was an interesting place to go. But once we actually got there and saw what it was like, it was easy to see how she came to that conclusion. It's just wall-to-wall with prostitutes, a lot of Russian prostitutes as well there. I don't know. Some, some guys, they love it there. They go there all the time. They're into that kind of scene, but uh, it's not somewhere that I ever want to go back and see again. Charlie, any different perspective or on that? No, I'm, I'm in agreement with Jackson there. When, when I've spoken to girls in, in Bangkok and they mention the word Pattaya or they were in Pattaya or anything like that, I used to freak out about that at first, kind of. I'd be like, oh, she must be a hooker. Then I realized there's one side of Pattaya where there's basically Thais go on holiday. So normal Thais will go on there because it's just a nearby beach. It's the nearest beach. And they'll go on holiday there and it's got nothing to do with the other area. So, and, you know, that's, that's pretty much it, guys. And, like, I just want to say, like, thank you for this, like, monster episode packed full of so much, you know, so much knowledge. You've both had a lot of experience in Bangkok and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been, uh, been interesting. Good to catch up again. Hope the listeners get something out of it. Yeah, I had a good time. Thanks, Angel, and nice talking to you again, Jackson. All right, cool. Really hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we did. We had a lot of fun with it. I hope you got a lot of practical information, and I hope also this inspired you to go check out Thailand and Bangkok if you haven't already been there, uh, and maybe do it a bit sooner than you were going to. You know, it's a great place, uh, not just for the nightlife, for the people there. There's lots of interesting people. Um, the culture's really great there. The you know the local people are really really great, and uh, you can learn a lot of things from them. I think so. You know, it's it's really a spectacular place, and and one of the you know, the things you really shouldn't miss out in your life if you haven't already been there. As usual, you have the interview tr- transcript from for today and links to absolutely everything we mentioned on the show. Now, today's a little bit more, you know, specific on that. We mentioned a lot of bars and, and places in Bangkok and all sorts of things, which, you know, I could imagine would be hard to track down just from that interview. So what we've done is we've got a whole list of all of those places, you know, links to all of those places and references and stuff in the show notes for you today to make everything easy. So uh, you can go and get all of that at datingskillsreview.com slash DSP45 and you'll find all of that there. If we've missed absolutely anything out, you know, if there's something you want to know about dating in Thailand, dating Thai women, or you want to know something about nightlife in Bangkok or day, you know, day game in Bangkok or whatever it is, uh, you have three guys here with a lot of experience who can answer those questions for you. And for one week up until uh, Monday, the 9th of November, we will be doing that in the comments. So go to the URL I just gave you, datingskillsreview.com slash DSP45 and go to the bottom of the page and there you can post any question you have and we'll get it answered for you 
As I say, we'll be doing that up to Monday night for uh, November. So make sure you get any of your questions in before then. And that's the end of this week's podcast. Next episode, we have Jason Capital from Jason Capital Dating. If you don't know him, he's, he's only been around a couple of years, but this guy is making a huge impact with his honest approach to dating. Jackson, the guy you've been listening to today, just reviewed a couple of his products and, you know, gave them really solid ratings. So I know I'm going to have a great discussion with him. And, you know, that's going to be something for you to look forward to coming next week. See you then. Dating Skills Podcast is brought to you by DatingSkillsReview.com. The number one men's source for dating, sex, and relationships advice. Get the cutting edge advice now and create your ideal dating lifestyle.